This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give to you, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Plenty of things to talk about tonight. One thing I wanted to start out with was something that's pretty disturbing. Somebody earlier this week, I think it was one of our callers, maybe it was Saturday, but earlier this week someone suggested that uh, eventually the government might be suggesting, or not suggesting, but uh, the government might be demanding that people limit the amount of children that they have. And seems like a ludicrous suggestion, right? It seems that couldn't happen here in North America. That's just that's something that the commies do over in China, right? I don't know that it sounds ludicrous to me. Not to me. I mean, you know, population's a big burden on a socialist system, and yeah, it seems like people are pushing for a socialist system. More population's going to be a problem in that in that area. Well, according to the Financial Post, which my understanding is a Canada state-run organization, I'm not I'm not positive on that, but it's definitely out of Canada. And the story here is that. And this is appears to be some sort of an editorial thing. The inconvenient truth overhanging the UN's Copenhagen conference is not that the climate is warming or cooling, but that humans are overpopulating the world. A planetary law such as China's one-child policy is the only way to reverse the disastrous global birth rate currently, which is one million births every four days. The world's other species, vegetation, resources, oceans, arable land, water supplies, and atmosphere are being destroyed and pushed out of existence as a result of humanity's soaring reproduction rate. Ironically, China, despite its dirty coal plants, is the world's leader in terms of fashioning policy to combat environmental degradation thanks to its one-child-only edict. The intelligence behind this is the following. If only one child per female was born as of now, the world's population would drop from its current 6.5 billion to 5.5 billion by the year 2050, according to a study done for Scientific Academy Vienna Institute of Demography. By 2075, there would be 3.43 billion humans on the planet. This would have immediate positive effects for the world's forests, other species, the ocean's atmospheric quality, and living standards. Doing nothing, by contrast, say the so-called experts, will result in an unsustainable population of 9 billion by the year 2050. And so the, the proposal here is uh, a global law. A it's global, clear, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's what they're talking about. People, I mean, what, what seems to me to be the most fundamental of rights, which is the right to reproduce, and I admit that it's, you know, the, there's you dire predictions right. out there. Well, you, tell, you still have that right just once. <laughs> right. If you can only do it once, then it's not a right. Humans are the only... This is, uh, again, the editorial here. What if you lose a child? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. They might put exemptions in there. (laughs) Humans are the only rational animals, they say, but have yet to prove it. Medical and other scientific advances have benefited by delivering lower infant mortality rates as well as longevity. Both are welcome, but humankind has not yet recalibrated its behavior to account for the fact that the world can only accommodate so many people especially if billions get indoor plumbing and cars. The fix is simple. It's dramatic, 
And yet the world's leaders don't even have this on their agenda in Copenhagen. Instead, there will be photo ops, posturing, optics, blah, blah, blah about climate science and climate fraud, announcements of giant wind farms, then cap-and-trade subsidies. None will work unless China, a China one-child policy is imposed. Unfortunately, there are powerful opponents. Leaders of the world's big, yeah, there are. big fundamentalist religions preach in favor of procreation and fiercely oppose birth control. And most political leaders in emerging economies perpetuate a disastrous catch-22. Many children stave off hardship in the absence of a social safety net or economic development, which in turn prevents protections or development. Ah, see, there's the socialist hook. If you have a social safety net, then people don't feel like they have to have so many children. So we have to have a social safety net. I, you know, I was I was wondering where it was. China has proven that birth restriction is a smart policy. Its middle class class grows. All its citizens have housing, health care, education, and food. And the one out of five human beings who live there are not overpopulating the planet. Okay, there's causation and correlation. Um, the, <laughs> the the fact that their middle class has grown doesn't mean that their one-child policy has anything to do with that. The United States middle class grew for quite some time until tyranny was imposed. United, uh, Ch- China's, in fact, becoming more lax, more free over there. I was going to say, they're economically, they have become... Their, their economic policies have actually been loosening up, have they not? Right. Yes. Can I not make the statement that more freedom, um, uh, you know, causes the the middle class to grow? I think that's a safe statement because and the more regulation, the more control you have, the greater the gap becomes between poor and rich, and it destroys the middle class. So yeah, I think that's fairly accurate. And, and actually, there's um this. It's really sort of a different subject, but they they brought it up, and and that's they're talking about all the the destruction of resources that is happening because of so many people. But there's actually a lot of evidence to tie poverty to the destruction of resources. When people are desperate and they're, you know, that's the, the, when you're talking the um, like the the forests that are being cleared out, old old growth mm-hmm. forests that are being cleared out. That, that's happening because people are po- are poverty stricken and they're, you know, that's um, it's easily it's easy to exploit. Why would those, a forest be? Clear, I'm, I don't understand. Why would well, a forest be cleared out because there's poor people? Because they'll use it for farming. They'll they'll just clear the land to use for farming and things the like that. The poor people will. No, yes. but well, the, yeah, the kind the you know, but it's usually it's not privately owned. A lot of it is right. countries that are countries that are um, in desperation are are you know usually it's that they're that are doing that. So the land isn't owned in the same way as owned in the United States. Um, if you go into a, a state forest in the United States and start chopping trees down. You know, it's not going to be too long before you've got a problem on your hands. However, when you have a, uh, you know, a poor nation, then you have a, p- a smaller infrastructure, and therefore they don't have these, you know, the, the state forests aren't managed in the same way. So you go in and you clear-cut uh, forests for these, uh, the wood that you can sell or whatever you can get out of, out of you know, cutting things down. Nobody's going to stop you because there's just not enough infrastructure. Back to the story here. They say that for those of this uh, editorial says, for those who balk... At the notion that governments should control family sizes, just wait until the growing human population turns twice as much pasture land into desert as is now the case, or when the Amazon is gone, the elephants disappear for good, and wars erupt over water, scarce resources, and spatial needs. The point is that Copenhagen's talking points are besides the point. The only fix is if all countries drastically reduce their populations, clean up their messes, and impose mandatory conservation measures. So this is the uh, this is the proposal from the Financial Post 
in Canada. So people in the uh, the Western world here openly now proclaiming the need for government regulation on how many kids you can have. You know, see, this is not. I don't. I think a lot of this is just sort of perceptions that people have that that's distorted. Because you know, I I, I remember talking to people who said say that that America. You know, the United States is overpopulated. Ludicrous. And, and it is ludicrous. But, you know, they, they probably live in a high in a dense populated area. If you, you know, if you look at the United States, actually, if you the way that it's set up, there's actually really, really densely populated cities. Yes. And then lots and lots and lots of open space in between with forests. Uh, not necessarily really old growth forests, but but forested, you know. Yeah. And um well, and old growth forest, but that's not the perception people have. They don't go out and they don't go out and walk miles and miles and miles in the woods. You would think that they would get the picture when they drive from one city to the next, and they're spending hours on a road where all they see is forest, and then every now and then they'll see an exit, and then forest, 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 and then an exit where there's a little right. town, and then you know miles and miles and miles there's and miles, and then finally you hit a big city, right. and they don't get the picture. No, there's huge, vast amounts of open space, but they live in a, in a densely con, uh, in a congested city with a a lot of traffic and where where real estate is expensive and so and and that's artificially that's artificially pumped up because mostly because of statism and controls and and, and a lot of property is, is is owned by the government and they hold on to it and and people cannot afford to buy the, to have their own property you have to fight over this little bit that they let people have and so only the wealthy end up having it and so there's this sense that there's too many people but that's just that that's a the people are leaping to that conclusion not based on real evidence, but just based on their sort of their per- personal anecdotal experiences. Right, and they believe that not only are there are too many people, but there are too few resources that the uh, that the Earth cannot sustain uh, population growth beyond a certain point. Maybe there's some truth to that statement. Uh, I'm certainly no expert on what you need to uh, to sustain growth, but I know that there's some neat ideas out there about how to maximize uh, yields on crops and things like that, like growing vertically. No one's trying that one yet. Uh, not to say that we're out of cropland, like you're saying, Dale. There's all kinds of uh, empty space out there. 800-259-9231. Let's uh, dig a little further into this here in a moment. Let's take your thoughts at 1-800-259-9231. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version as well, webcam. Uh, Plus, we've even got the brand-new Free Talk Live listen lines. You can dial in from any phone, that, as long as you can dial long distance and listen to Free Talk Live wherever you are. The details are there for you at listen.freetalklive.com. Take the startpage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother's search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, and unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start today, um, the uh, seven-day challenge at startpage.com. 
Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. We shared a story with you from the Financial Post, and I don't know why I'd, I'd heard that it was uh, Canada-run. It's it's not actually run by the government of Canada. It is a Canadian publication. Diane Francis is the editor there, and it was Diane Francis who wrote the story that we were talking about, where basically she is advocating for a one-child policy globally. And she's suggesting the, you know, the the hell with all of these tinkerings uh, with the other laws as far as uh, changing the miles per gallon or or this little tax or cap and trade or whatever else. She's saying screw all of that, just cut down on the amount of uh, babies that people can have, and that'll solve the uh, the world's uh, environmental problems. It does sound like an easy solution if you uh, you know take take for granted that there is in fact a uh, you know a, a man-made climate problem. And um, you believe all the rhetoric that they they say behind that, and and you believe that there's you know there's a problem with human overpopulation. I've I've been in that camp before, and and so I understand the arguments. And she not, she sort of conveniently glazes over the the horrific problems that have come out of that one child policy in a place like China, where they're still pretty sexist, and a fa- lots of families that they they want their one child to be male. You know they want to carry on their family name and. And and again, it's it's still pretty sexist, and uh, and so there are you know inf- inf- infanticide happening at a rate like nowhere else, I believe. And there's uh, you know lots of families, you know, if they have a, having a girl, putting them up for adoption, and so a lot of un, you know, un, unwanted children, more more female, primarily female. And uh, and Mark, you mentioned I kind of forgot about this, but I, I don't even know what happens if you have a child that's maybe born with an odd deformity. Or some kind of imperfection, I, I, you know, I hate to imagine what I. I don't know either. It sounds scary, though. What could possibly happen in a situation like that? One of the things that uh, one of my producers uh, pointed out here during the break was that it's it's true that the world at this point can only sustain so many people. There are only so many resources to go around, that sort of thing. But as uh, as he points out, by the time 2050 comes around, the predictions are that there'll be nine billion people. Uh, in the world at that point, if things go unabated as they uh, as they currently are in most places, but the question becomes, well, what kind of wonderful technology will be created from here till there that will make it so that nine billion is no big deal and that it's easy to sustain? We can't and envision that right now. Currently, China's the one that's that's grow. It's the nation that's growing the most, and it's also the nation that economically, is, you mean, and uh, population wise. Oh, okay. In both areas. And what you find is is that a the more uh, prosperous a nation is, the lower the birth rate. Why is that? Why is that? Because uh, people want to continue their prosperity. They they look at prosperity as a, prosperity as a possibility in their life, as opposed to I'm going to live this way for the rest of my life in a dirt hole or whatever it is that they're they're living. So they want to be able to continue to live a more prosperous life. People know innately that. Children cost money in a non-agrarian situation, yeah. so they, um, <laughs> if they're responsible for that child in a, in a more free society, they're responsible for that child, the birth rate goes down. So freedom in this area can actually result in a cap on the amount of children that are produced, likely. I mean, this is just, you're just looking at how things have been by and large, and, you know, that's, I think that this, that, that's the solution to the problem. Also, I believe that a free market will solve any problem, uh, the vast majority of problems, and it will solve this one. I can't believe, you know, and, and why is she suggesting subsidizing children? No, let's do that first. Let's stop subsidizing reproduction by, yes. by, um, by, by taxing people for education and welfare, uh, 
tax benefits for for dependents and so forth. I don't, well, I don't think we should be paying any taxes, of course. But I mean, a, a part of this this really ridiculous tax structure is subsidies for people who the have children. larger families and more children and so right. on. And I'm like, why do I have to pay more taxes? Because I I had the sense to be more conscious about my you know my own. Yeah, children, you know, that's a great point children. because in the in the workplace, uh, women in many cases are given uh, special exemptions by the law. That's if you true get pregnant, too. you oh well, you know, you can just have your job. We'll just uh, keep it here. In fact, we'll even give you pregnancy pay or whatever the heck. The, and there are different you, laws. You get as long of a, a sabbatical as you want, and you can come back and get your job. Right. Some of so it, it encourages. Pay, so the, there's so that. The there's system. also sick days. People use up more sick days that are meant to be just you know if you're sick you know and now you have to take sick days for your children. Yes. And so right. if you have a if you're if you have children, then you're going to use you, you end up using more sick days and leaving work earlier more often and things like that and getting the same pay and same benefits as someone else and more benefits actually usually uh, because it does cost you know the company is shelling out more generally for health insurance for family members and things like that uh, that they don't do for the the single employees or the employees right. that are married without children and so you're working just as hard mo- actually most likely harder uh, if you're a single or or, or or married without children, and yet right, so not go have a kid. the same. Go have a kid so you can get all the perks. Have a kid so you can get all the you know these uh, these bennies that are not available to you if you're if you're a single person. So all of the 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 system, the laws in the system, a lot of these laws encourage people to have children when they otherwise may decide not to. Right. And as Mark, you're I pointing out... I think my out, child is... Uh, I love my child. He's the most important thing in the world to me, but I would never imagine that in any way somebody else is obligated in, uh, to take care of him. It's, it's ludicrous. So you've got two two factors here. And you're putting here. your money where your mouth is, too. You're homeschooling. And well, I mean, he's like 20 that. months old. Uh, every 20-month old is homeschooled, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> well I but, guess if they stay I home with I thought that was parents. the intention. Was it, it's the, it's yeah. the intention, indeed. Mm-hmm. But I, if, if somebody's obligated to take care of my kid, why can't I get uh, my friend's uh, daughter who uh, comes and does babysitting? Why doesn't she do it for free? How come I don't get my kid taken care of for free? Oh, I see they have to be five in order for the government to take care of them. Oh, well, don't worry, Mark. They might come up with the they government preschool. They keep pushing preschool. it up. They keep their, their preschool. Oh, yeah. They're gonna they want to indoctrinate your they child. They want to get them as early as possible to start in exactly to start indoctrinating. Yes, and they want they want to steal other people's money so they can indoctrinate your child. Absolutely. So the system currently, with all of its welfare laws and all of its uh, perks for pregnant moms and things like that, encourages people to have children when they might not otherwise. On the other side of that, more freedom... The, the free market encourages people to, in a developing economy, encourages people to have less children, have fewer children, rather. And so it's the, the real answer to overpopulation is to just let people be free to make their own decisions and suffer the consequences of them. If you have kids, then you'll have to pay for them or go and ask people for help. You can't just expect to, uh, to have the help like people expect today from, uh, from the state. But to get rid of all of those laws would mean to, uh, to emasculate the state, would mean to make the state less powerful and less influential. And people like Diane Francis uh, over at the Financial Post would never want to see a proposal like like that because she's a statist and she wants the state to have power so she wants the welfare system she wants the state to you know to have schools and to do all of these things to uh, to control people's lives and on top of that she decides she gets to decide people like her will get to decide how many children uh, you'll get to have inside that system so freedom's the answer to overpopulation but the statist answers are violence you know that's that's where it's at right now and now you've actually got national papers Coming out in favor of these rules. Free Talk Live. 
It's time. Wake up. This is just in case you care. And yeah, I'm talking to you. That's my booklet of truth for the people of America and the wake up call for action to save our freedom. Get a copy for you and your friends at yamtalkingtoyou.com and get involved with saving our country. That's yamtalkingtoyou.com. If you want to be part of the solution, otherwise, just go back to sleep. You'll adjust to enslavement. Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We'll give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those, including the updates. Get signed up and keep you in the loop whenever there's something that you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just head on over to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list. You'll know it then because it'll come right into your email box. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And from creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism, you'll find more pro-freedom activism than you probably ever imagined possible when you move here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. You can learn more at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. As we go to your phone call, Scott is in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Scott, Canada. Hello, guys. You're on the air. Hi. Yes, I think with this overpopulation, I think you're completely right. Firstly, it's only certain areas of the world that are overpopulated, certainly not Canada or North America. We have tons of room here, and I'm fat. There's tons of fat people in North America. We have plenty of food, right? Yes. It's, it's these poorer areas, and I think Dale really hit it, and, and all of you, it's the socialism that allows for this population growth. I have four kids. I get a nice big fat check every month from the government uh, to, to pay for them. Jeez. So, um, you know, maybe I would have less incentive if I had actually paid for government schools out of my own pocket or health care or any of these things. And um, I, I just think that's really part of the problem is the socialism. I think you're right there, but in some parts of the world, it's just that they have despotic governments, not necessarily that they're socialists, like the poor parts of Africa, where they just are not allowed to create wealth for themselves. They are prohibited from starting businesses and things like that. And, you now and, have a more rigorous um, definition of what socialism is. You're talking about, uh, but I mean, you know, to some extent, the governments, even in uh, in um, you know these poorer countries, still own the means of production. Essentially, they own everything. If you do anything well, they'll come in and take it. So um, they they have socialist governments. And if you look at um, the you know the sort of Fabian socialist definition, any government is considered socialist. Okay, when I think socialist, I think uh, forced wealth redistribution and things like that. And in places like that, you're just not even allowed to create wealth in the first place. Right, they do to redistribute the wealth. However, they just take it from the producers and they take it to the government. And it, then it doesn't. They don't make any uh, effort to pretend like they're redistributing it to the poor after that. You're right. It's despotic in that sense. Another thing that keeps some of these people down, like I'll use Africa as an example, where I, I don't really know the truth of it. I just know my perception of you know poor African people, um, and it, where there's your population, or you have a family that can barely feed their children, but yet they still keep getting pregnant. Because a lot of it is, uh, I'll just blame the Catholic Church and their their policy on condoms and how they encourage these people not to use condoms to not spread. Uh, because people are going there trying to encourage them, give them HIV, AIDS education, like you use this condom because HIV is a huge problem in Africa. Right. But their religious leaders are saying, no, 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 you know, that interrupts the natural process of God's work and all this crap. And uh, that really makes me mad that they, 
that they would do that to people when it, uh, living living people are really important, I think, and and they're doing this for the unborn, and not not to get into all that, but I'm just saying that they would. Rather well, I think you're bringing up suffer. a good point. It's it's kind of a we we've touched on the ways that governments encourage people to uh, to procreate when they probably shouldn't, when economically they would normally have incentives or disincentives to procreate in a more yeah. free marketplace. But you're also po- t- touching on something worth bringing up, and that is that religions these uh, these old world uh, religions that are just stuck in the past, they are also encouraging people to procreate in, yeah. with their silly rules about uh, not having, you know, not being able to use condoms and other things like that, other birth control methods. I mean, it's just birth control, period, that is uh, is off limits, right? It's not and just not condoms. Not only that, not only that, but Ian, there's souls in heaven waiting to come down to their earthly bodies. <laughs> and if you don't have as many kids as you can, you are violating, like, God's principles. Yeah, I think God can handle that issue. You know, like yeah. I, I understand. I, I, I guess I, I hear what they're saying, but you know, my God's a little bigger than that. He can handle that issue. Thank you, Scott, yeah, that, for the well, call. That's what I was oh, taught yeah. as a Mormon, and and. I, I imagine the, uh, some other Christian religions believe that as well. I think you're right about that, and I think that's pretty dangerous. So it's like a one-two punch. You've got the government rules that encourage people to uh, to procreate. You've got the religious rules that encourage it to uh, to happen. And in a free marketplace, absent all these silly religions, which of course would not necessarily go away in a free marketplace, but in a fantasy world, uh, that would uh, that would fix a lot. I thank you for the call. But then again, also the other point that was being made is that the free market can handle population growth, unlike. Despotic governments, unlike our socialist governments, that can't—they have to have control. They have to have limits. They have to have uh, mandates and and things like that. So the the marketplace can handle growth. The government doesn't know what the hell to do except I, get violent. I had a friend that said that said that well a while back. Said that he felt like it, it it felt to him like he needed to have as many kids as possible because those were lives that would just never happen. You know, wow. If he didn't have those kids, and I think to this day he's. He's almost my age. I don't think he's had any kids yet. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to find a willing partner. Unless he had one, and I didn't hear about it. But. Well, you know, um, the as they get more wealthy, the the religion doesn't. Uh, as people get more wealthy, as as they're allowed to be free and therefore prosper, um, the religion doesn't count as much. There's a lot of wealthy Catholics in the United States that are practicing birth control, whether they're allowed to by the church or not. Mm-hmm. And so if you, once again, government's at the root of this, um, and if you, you know, allow the people to have freedom, then the, they'll just basically at some point or another tell the Catholic Church to, church to, to yeah, sand. Right? <laughs> forget it. We're just going to do what we want. Melissa is on the line in California. Ladies first, Melissa, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Dale and Mark. Hi. Hey, Hello? Melissa. Hey, what's on your mind Hi. tonight? Hi, Mark. Ian, hi. Uh, first off, I'd like to just say that I appreciate what you guys do, and, and thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Dale's here too. Go ahead. Um, oh, hi, Dale. Uh, so, real quick, I'm I'm uh, over the past several months. I have um, I'm going to kind of change topic. Over the past several okay. months, I've been exposed to um, a free market, voluntarist society, and I am really on board with the ideas and concepts. And I think it's a, a great idea, and I, I love what you guys do. I've just recently been listening to Free Talk Live, and and I absolutely love it. Um, I've been exposed by it, but through my boyfriend, and we've had some conversations, and he's explained, you know, what would happen in a free market society. And my only question stump is, is how would the roads work? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's the rest of the show of... we have to spend on that. There's a dozen different ways. Yeah. We've answered it so many right. times. Can uh, I want to have Dale step in on this. Oh, one. no. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't even know where to start. I think that there would be so many. If you do, you where do you um who funds the parking lot when you go to the store? Here's a just a start, just a start for a way to think about the pr- this. The, the private company does. Right? Do they, they charge right. you for that parking lot? No. No. Okay. Well, they do I when you buy their products. They want you to be able. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. But they don't. But you can park there and browse, and then not buy anything That's and drive true. away. You can go in and, and use their bathroom and, and drive they, away. Too. And they provide that parking lot because they 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 want you to be able to come and and shop at their store. And you right. have a you know you have a driveway right now, and you want you know you have that so you can get to your house and so forth. And I think. Uh, that a lot of a lot of you know the people talk about toll roads you know privately owned roads that would be toll roads and that's certainly one thing that might happen There's and they also, exist in in yeah. multitude in oh, yeah. California. There's a lot yeah. of private roads in California um, in in the toll. Variety. But I think it's it's short sighted to think that that, that they're going to replace every they would replace everything we have now. There would be a lot of roads that would merge together that are there owned by private people who want people to have access to for whatever reason usually for business to conduct business and things like that. So the so companies would would be able to come in and take over those that property. You know, we've discussed oh, no, my boyfriend come in and, and I take it over. They they have to have to I, I don't I I, the, I think the toughest question for me to answer is like you know how would it transition over I, I, and I think that that would be a lot like, of different things happening a lot. Well, you have to understand too, the state is not going to disappear overnight. What's going to happen is that I, I see it dissolving slowly as people wake up to the uh, the sort of the, a lot. We have a lot of uh, grand illusions, and people are waking up to those illusions. And as that happens, I think you're going to see state power dissolving slowly, and more and more getting phased out. So I don't think you're going to have a sudden thing happen. I think there's going to be lots of things, different things happening in different places as as various. Um, levels of the state, you know, federal, state, local governments begin to lose power. Melissa, if you want to come back and uh, share a little bit more with us, you're welcome to. Hang on. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. The roads, it's its a real big issue with people. When you start talking about freedom, it's one of the first places people go is, well, how will I get from point A to point B without the government? More coming up. You can bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. So enjoy those. freetalklive.com. Another great website you should visit is Dale's site, anarchyinyourhead.com. Also packed full of free stuff, cartoons and editorials and fun anarchyinyourhead.com also uh, well there's some there's, there's even a buy. there's even a, a whole section called free stuff free really avatars um wallpapers 
things like that that you can just download and spread all Excellent. over the internet as much as you want and I don't get upset and call lawyers or anything like that. And you've that. got new tools now behind the scenes to create uh, the cartoons with you've been uh, telling me about. I've which been is cool. uh yeah the, I, I don't know if people know the last cartoon I actually used two different styles cuz I, I I used a panel from a previous cartoon which has the old style and I you know and then continued it on and in the and I now have the a uh, tool that allows me to use pressure sensitive strokes and my I always draw on an ink on a on a pad on a mm-hmm. Wacom tablet, and so I uh, I can now draw my, my I think the, I think it makes it look a little more organic and not so you know where you don't have the exact same line thickness all the way around. It's actually a little bit of you know not so digital. It's more like real drawing, yeah. a little closer to, to to a natural drawing. So go and take a look over at anarchyinyourhead.com as we go back to Melissa. She's on the line in California. Heard about these freedom ideas from her boyfriend and had some questions uh, specifically about roads. Uh, one of the uh, the sticking points for you, Melissa. Now uh, you'd heard what Dale had to say in re- response. The idea that uh, you know basically the there would be probably different methods tried, but essentially it would be turned over to uh, the marketplace. And uh, your your response. Well, yeah, I, that was kind of where we always, well, my, my boyfriend and I would have these discussions, and I, I kept saying, you know, right now, from my understanding, the roads are, are owned by the taxpayers, and, you know, the government takes our money to, to supposedly repair these roads and everything, and then now all of a sudden the government, say, now doesn't exist if we go to this society. Um, what would happen to the road, you know, say, right outside my front door, you know, um, I who think, comes out and claims that? Is that kind of how it works? You know, um, that's know. a good it's question. It's a good question. <laughs> Once again, you said all of a sudden, and I was. And that's something I was sort of debunking in in the previous right. segment. That that I right. don't think anything's going to happen like that. All of a sudden, I think I think you see people um, as people wake up and begin to reject the authority claimed by status. That right. that it will weaken it. The state will. That will be the first. That will be the only thing I think that can that will actually cause the state to shrink is people rejecting the claim on authority that they that they claim to have, which is invalid. And I think at that point you will start seeing transitions take place. I'm not the most right. uh, innovative of uh, people. I'm not a road expert or anything like that. But I can think of two uh, very I think possible solutions to transition because that's really the issue. Is right. How do we get from where we are today with the right, government monopoly right. roads? to free market roads. And I think there are two possibilities. One of them, one of them I like better than the other. Uh, the first one I don't care for that much. That is the idea that the government as it exists would essentially sell off its roads to the highest bidder. I think that's problematic because it uh, brings politics into the into uh, well, the play. And I reject their claim on ownership in the first place. I that's agree with the that. problem. They don't they don't have a legitimate their their property claims are uh, illegitimate in my opinion. So. I, I'm with you completely, Dale. I'm just saying that's a that's a that's also a possibility as to how it might happen. And, in some and, and it probably will. Yeah, it probably will in some places, just not everywhere. I think the best uh, idea I've ever heard is that essentially that the road should be ceded to the property owner that abuts it. Here in New Hampshire, um, I actually apparently, it's Mark, you told me this, that when you look at the actual property line definitions uh, for the, the a given piece of property, it actually goes out to include a portion of the road that is adjacent to the property. To, to the middle line. So, so technically, my property 
does include a portion of the road that runs runs by it. And so it would make the most sense, in my opinion, to just simply cede all of that, just essentially to have the government go away and just allow people to stake that claim on their property that they is already theirs. So I would have the chunk of road. I've got a corner lot here in, in Keene, so I would have a, a little bit more road than, uh, than the average person would, perhaps, uh, out in front of their house. And what might happen then is really up to uh, the market to decide. I was thinking perhaps maybe some road entrepreneurs would go around and make offers to people uh, to say, hey, look, I know you guys don't want to take care of this road. You just want to take care of your house and all that. And, and, I'll take and care also of your road for you. maybe homeowner association type things just There's for the road, that. just for the road. Like you have a, a homeowner association where you have one building and everyone owns their unit. You can think of that uh, on a slightly different scale and context where you have a neighborhood where you own a lot, but you you want to have access to your house and other people need access to their houses and so on. And what you might have then is essentially a private road. That doesn't mean that you have to have a toll booth at the front and someone has to monitor everyone coming in. You could. But it's essentially, you know, anymore you don't have one on your house, but people know they can't right. go on your property. And so um, right. unless they have a valid reason to be there, like, you know, they're coming to a party at your house or they just want to knock on your door and, and ask if you want to buy some Girl Scout cookies or something like that. And it's the same idea it could be with your road where, in the same way that, that a homeowner association maintains the building that everyone lives in through a homeowner association, there is some bureaucracy there. It's not necessarily my recommendation. Uh, the same thing, you, they might decide to do the same thing with their roads. And they that exists say, in condo associations and things like that. They might cede ownership all cooperatively of that piece of the road to the homeowner association sure. so that everyone owns that road collectively. But they, or Importantly, that to, to that point, Dale, they'd have to have 100% agreement for that to happen, which is yes. possible. It's possible to get that. Oh, it's, it's, it's very possible possible when you have to do something. I mean, you have to figure out, you know, we need to, you have to work, you have to, I mean, we live in a society where we have to work with other people all the time and we make it work all kinds of different well, ways. Well, yeah, you actually get violence. to know your neighbors in that yeah. case. <laughs> we do it without violence all the time when it, when that's what has to be done. It's amazing how how, how well you can get 100% cooperation. And can, can we also point out here that in, in many private neighborhoods, there already are private roads and when you compare those private roads to the, uh, the government roads, it's a world of difference as far as how well, uh, many of them are maintained. In fact, we talked about a, a, a like a basically a private city almost, and I forget what it was called uh, here in the United States, where all of the roads are actually privately run and are privately owned and operated, and it's just they're just spectacular. You look, look, look at, at Disney, Disney World. Oh yeah, look at Disney World. I was going to say, you know, when when there was some horrible accident where a bridge collapsed and killed a bunch of people, that was a government bridge and there wasn't any particular right. incident for them to fix it. And when it collapsed, they didn't you can't hold, you know, good luck holding them responsible for that. But imagine that happening in Disney World. I mean, it's not going to happen. I will bet, you know, large sums of money it is not going to happen at Disney World because they don't want the liability. They don't want someone to get hurt. They are actually personally responsible if something happens uh, because it is private property. And you can drive all over Disney World. You know, all those roads, they're, they're, you know, the huge vast majority of them are, are actually, I think they all completely are public, completely open yeah. access. You can drive around. Uh, you know, they're hoping you're, and of course, most people aren't there unless they're going to go to Disney World. So they're getting plenty of money to pay for those roads. But, uh, but they're not, there's no booths that say you can't get on this road unless you buy a ticket to Disney World. And that's another point is the, uh, the cost savings. Not only the roads be uh, better taken care of, but they could also be better taken care of for significantly less than the government's uh, taking care of the roads. Roads because the government doesn't have an incentive to save uh, to save money or and there to do won't things be, efficiently, and there won't be. They, and I think you know, I think unions will be effective and useful, but they won't have the sort of a, a, a inordinate amount of power that they have now to to get really ridiculous uh, to put really ridiculous pressure uh, on 
governments and private companies uh, as they do now, often often government unions, actually. And Mark, so. you mentioned earlier the roads out in California that are toll roads uh, as an example of, of private roads. But those are still governmentally approved private roads. They've made a deal with the state so they can build their roads right next to the government roads and charge a toll for people to go really so fast. So are the houses. Okay, but you don't, make a, you don't make, make a deal with the state with with the local government sure, to make sure. it to build a house. Uh, just the point I wanted to make about that is it makes it feel it, it, when you mention those it makes it sound like oh crap all the roads are going to be toll. But then when Dale brings up uh, Disney World, you don't pay a toll to drive around on their roads. They're just open. You just go in and you you do that. If the uh, whole if all of America was toll roads, um, and I swear to God we'll let you talk here in a mis- minute, Melissa. Um, well, that's okay. <laughs> if all of America was toll roads, we'd be sig- we'd pay significantly less in in order to drive on those toll roads true, but that we currently think... do in order to have the privilege. I love how I am forced through property taxes to pay for the road that's out in front of my house and all over the state of New Hampshire and in the town that I live in. And I have a privilege to drive on it. I have the responsibility to pay for it, but I have the privilege to drive on it. Well, and, and we're also subsidizing cars by having roads be completely public, and they're there for everyone's use no matter what, no matter how much they drive, no matter what else they do for communication. And if you are, and, and so other, other transportation options are not necessarily being explored to the extent that they would be. A lot of people might decide not to have cars if they, if they had to pay more to drive on roads. So, Melissa, they have to shoulder the cost themselves. Uh, so did you get your question answered? Well, yeah, and I just also wanted to touch point a little bit on your maintenance thing, too. Just um, recently or uh, within the past year, a light was being replaced down the street from my house, and this thing was being built for months and months and months, and my boyfriend said, you know, within a private company, that would have been done very quickly, and, you know, Absolutely. <laughs> here Days. my money's getting wasted months on a time, you know? <laughs> Melissa, I hope you'll uh, come on out here and join all the fun in New Hampshire, and I thank you for the call tonight, and also, if you get a chance, uh, submit a picture for the Shrine of Female listeners. We'd love to have you up there. Uh, thank you for the call. More coming up. Hour 2 is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch here into the second hour of the program tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you, free. So enjoy those on us in freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about. Your calls, though, are the primary element, and we continue taking them. Uh, Let's go to Stephen in Florida to start things out this hour. Stephen, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hello. First of all, Dale, your um, your coffee brownies were a smash at Thanksgiving dinner. 
Cool. Okay, I'm sure all of our listeners across the country uh, can relate. Go ahead with your thoughts. <laughs> um, well, just thought I would um, just thought I would kind of talk about. I wasn't really going to talk about this, uh, especially since I have uh, there's one of your listeners who actually uh, I served with in the military. But um, <clears throat> I, I keep getting emails from you know various friends uh, and relatives that are vets. Uh, you know, one of them today, for example, said. You know, if you're not going to stand behind the troops, then please feel free to stand in front of them. Oh, as though you should get shot by them, right? Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah. All right. Or instead of like shields, I guess, human ah, shields. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe that's the point. I I don't know. I think that it's just, you know, an implication of violence or something like that. Certainly sounds that way. Right. But anyway, you know, it's been a long time. I got out of the military in 1997, and I was in for 10 years, two different branches. And, you know, I just can't bring myself to feel proud of having been in the military, you know. I don't know if I'm necessarily ashamed of it, but I'm certainly, it's nothing that I have any pride for. You know, I see these old veteran friends of mine, and they, you know, on their Facebook, for example, they'll say things like, oh, you know, uh, support the troops and, you know, join, sign up for this this group to to support the, the troops and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just, just not, I just can't feel any sort of pride about that, you know, uh, especially now coming to where I am uh, and knowing that the, uh, that rather than serving the American people or defending the Constitution or anything of the sort, that that's just a big fraud. Uh, and that, in fact, what I actually did was serve the whims of, of politicians and and the true constituents of the politicians, which is the corporate interest that funds the campaigns. You know, that's what uh, General Smedley Butler, uh, two-time Medal of Honor winner, said in his book, War is a Racket. He said the very same right. things. Well, Dale's uh, the only host in the studio tonight who has actually spent time in the military. You were in the Navy. Are you proud of the uh, the time that you spent in the Navy? Uh, that's a good question. I'm definitely not proud. I certainly wouldn't do it again. I certainly, right. uh, but but then again, I also wouldn't go and work for uh, you know the big defense corporation, which I have done as well, and I'm not proud of. And in fact, I had an unpleasant dream about that, where I saw connotations of violence incorporated in that decision, and and so and it was very troubling for me. So so no, I'm definitely not proud of it in that sense. I do feel like I learned a lot from it. Um, and uh, so and from so that perspective, it's not you... something I necessarily feel a whole lot of regrets about. I think it's part of who I am today. That's kind of how I, I mean, right. that's, that's, that seems to be the most sensible thing. I mean, there's no point in beating yourself up over it. Uh, you didn't, hopefully you didn't pull any triggers and actually kill anybody. That you could, I think, would be legitimate to it, feel Nothing so over. overt. Nothing yeah. so overt. I mean, who knows, you know, how many people were, how, how much violence was enabled by my participation, uh, you know. And, and the same thing goes for, uh, you know, working for a defense corporation, a, a, a primarily defense corporation. And, and so... And so there's certainly nothing overt where I get blood on my hands, you know. But that's that, that's part of, that's also part of any of this process of statism that is it, it's usually not overt. It's usually you know you might be pay, you might be paying the taxes that fund uh, who knows how many how many uh, weapons of destruction, you know, whether it's a tank or yeah. some guns or the salary for the guy that pulls the trigger, uh, or you know so whatever it is. We're, we're, we're all we all culpable. have we all have we all have blood on our hands. And, 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 the question and the is, sooner, what do you do about it, right? What do you do about it? And the sooner we come to realize that and, and start to take responsibility for it, and, and you know, then that's, that's what we have to do. Yeah, we only have control over now and the future, so that's what I like to focus that's on. That's true. Any other thoughts, Stephen? Yep. 
No, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, thanks a bunch. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you right. at 800-259-9231. I think that um, since this has been brought up, I, I'd like to, to clear up that, um, you know, the, the, the idea that the, the military is there to protect you is certainly what we're told. But I, you know, I challenge anyone to tell me that of any military excursion that has protected my freedom or the freedom of anyone I know um, in the last six decades. Well, they may not be able to make that claim, but they might be able to say that, well, if it weren't for the military, there'd be an invasion. And, 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 and you're, that's true. And the other thing is I, I do not. I have not been convinced that they are, in fact, protecting our freedoms. You know, they're, they're protecting us. The idea that our ability to speak right now is happening because of because our military. Of the military. <laughs> you know, because the, the, they had gone be speaking over, German right now, boy. Or, 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 or maybe uh, Arabic because of, yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, for what because there all the all the wars going on in the Middle East right now. You know, if, if not for that, we wouldn't have free speech. I don't buy that either. I think that Poppycock. I think that um, it's quite the opposite. I think we have. You know, a police state and uh, more and more of the military encroaching into what's actually going on right here at home. And that's really disturbing. Um, right. The military exists to protect the state. They protect yeah. the, uh, the the offices of the state, the bases of the military. They're not so interested in protecting the, the, you. If the they... big players shoveling large amounts of money around, like he said, uh, the, you know, the. The military-industrial complex and, right. and all and lots of um, corporations that are benefiting from violence. If their goals would be furthered by rolling a tank right over top of your house, they would not hesitate to do so. They have no obligation to protect you at all. They did, they'd find a really nice, elaborate justification for doing that. No, they, would, they, they wouldn't <laughs> need to. The vast majority of Americans say, you run over my house if you need to. Yes, sir, by golly. God <laughs> bless America. You know, like, the, and, and, I mean, that's that's the attitude <laughs> Just that's make sure there. you keep those Canadian hordes well, out. Yep. Uh, most the Americans who, who, who would be saying that would be the ones whose, whose personal house wasn't run over. That's true. Uh, you know, as soon as their house gets run over, then they would be complaining. But but they would be defending the military uh, as long as they feel like, well, it's going to be someone else's house. Most likely, I'm okay. Let's continue with your phone calls about what you want. Andrew's in California on Free Talk Live. Hello, Andrew. Hello. Andrew, you're on the air. Hello, this hey. is Andrew out in California. Hey, Andrew. Go and, ahead. And uh, I'd like to discuss uh, how we voluntarily expatriate ourselves through the use of a misnomer or uh, misspelling of our name what? and i can oh. prove this just by the nature of my disability i have dyslexia and i use a tape recorder in the courtroom and everything i'm telling you is the truth because criminals only have problems with tape recorders and uh anyway if you'd like you can do an investigation yourselves with your own wallets or purses in your own home in regards to a misnomer which is a misspelling of your name which puts you into indentured servitude and compliant with being state property where your state property of the Department of Motor Vehicles, Health Department, and Transportation. I'm pretty confused as to what you're getting at here. Can you, can you maybe well, clarify for me? Pull, pull your wallet out, and if you'll notice, all your credit cards and uh, checks and everything are all in capital letters. And well, hey, memory, before you go on, um, what if my parents named me with all capital letters? What happens is that's a place or a thing, and places or things no, don't no. have rights. But no, no, I'm saying, what if my parents actually named? They could name me anything they want. They could put a, oh, they could the put an asterisk only. there and say that that says yeah. uh, Beelzebubba. I mean, they could, they could do yeah, whatever well, what they I, want. What and I'm, I'm wondering, is, no, what no, happens if they name no, me with all capital letters? 
No, no, I'm asking you a question, dude. You went to grammar school, didn't you? I under look, dude. I understand how. What if my parents named me with all capital letters? Uh, No matter how you identify yourself with a state, once you. Uh, consent to all capital letters, it's known as an unsecured corporation. But that's my name. No, no, I'm a person, and I was named with all capital letters. How can they do that? They can't. But they You're do, right? You only taught that in grammar school to identify yourself as a people on the upper left-hand portion of your... Okay, this is a uh, conspiracy theory that has been proffered so many times on this uh, well, show by various callers. What do you, what do you want to suggest that... Uh, well, see, what are you I have suggesting? dyslexia, and I have a tape recorder, and I offer one to the judge, one to the DA... One to the court stenographer, which I think we should have a tape recorder or a CD or a DVD player in the first place, because that's old technology. And if they're not criminals, they would answer the question. My first question I say is, equality under the law is paramount. You are acting under the law. That's a yes or no answer. Whether any of these other statements I'm saying is true or not, don't you think these individuals should say yes? And I simply have dyslexia. And what's the difference between me and someone going there with reading glasses in regard to Well, I'm all in favor of asking questions of bureaucrats, but I want to bring you back here and have you explain exactly what it is you're getting at, because this seems like a conspiracy theory that has absolutely no effect over whether or not you'll be thrown in a cage. It's Free Talk Live. Bring it in. Give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry uttered those words in 1775. He died just 24 years later. You can avoid his fate by subscribing to Liberty, the National Journal of Libertarian Opinion, News, Investigation, and Intellectual Exploration. Liberty isn't just current events. In every issue, you can expect to see reflections, reviews, and reporting that challenge the individual mind. Get Liberty now with a free trial issue at libertyunbound.com and avoid an untimely meeting with the Grim Reaper. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those, including the shrine of female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video to show they are indeed listeners of Free Talk Live. In fact, we're going to be having a brand new Shriner going up sometime, uh, I would say, within the next day or so at shrine.freetalklive.com, which is, by the way, brought to you by Manchester Brewing at manchesterbrewing.com. If you're thinking about starting a business, here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all kinds of legal documents, patents, wills, trademarks. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order. It's LegalZoom.com. All right, we continue here. Andrew is uh, back with us in California propagating the the all-caps conspiracy, which suggests that uh, your name seen in all caps is actually not, in point of fact, your name. It's actually a corporate name that the government uses to uh, control you. Uh, That's as, as I understand it. And it's all very, very fascinating, but unfortunately it doesn't seem to do a damn thing to uh, keep anybody out of a jail cell. So what is the point of you bringing well, this up tonight? Well, what everybody should probably do is get back on point and, and represent Americans with Disabilities Act and equal access for all. We're simply a group of people that feel that if you're allowed through a metal detector with an auxiliary aid of reading glasses, a wheelchair, uh, hearing aids, a guide dog, uh, you should be able to walk through your auxiliary aid of a tape recorder if you have dyslexia. I've used it at Chico State as a, in a, as a student, College of Marin. My special education teacher is the one that told me to use it, and it would help me get me through life. 
And as of yet, we cannot gain access to any public buildings, Department of Motor Vehicles, Board of Supervisors, uh, courtrooms, court clerks, tax assessors. Uh, we've taken this case to the district court in Fresno, Eastern District. This case has been heard in San Francisco in the Ninth Court of Appeals. And as of yet, no one has answered the question why we have to fill out a permission slip to go into a public building, yet nobody else does under the American Disabilities Act. That's discriminatory. I think that's an interesting point, point, just aside from what you'd originally started out your call well, with. Well, that's just my end result, what I taught, learned from a high patrolman who was dying from cancer. And that's why they... So you're, you're saying out in California they don't let you use a, a, a recorder in a, a recording device in no, public buildings? No, I carry, I carry four. I have one for the judge, one for the DA, one for the stenographer. And we have our encounters. And you actually still use tapes? And we walk away. You, you still use tapes? I, well, I'm computer illiterate, so I have to use cassette tapes. I, that's why I have to use a tape recorder for my private notes, because I can't read and write. Do you think that uh, people that aren't dyslexic should be able to record? Well, uh, exactly. People? One of our members uh, in the group is, father was the founder of the Memorex Corporation. Is it real or is it Memorex? And our solution is, why should I have more rights than you? And why do we use a machine that's 140 years old and modernize the third branch of government and put in a CD player? That way you hear the inflections in the voice, and it saves the taxpayers billions of dollars a year. And that way you walk away with the encounter in your hand, and you don't have to fill out forms to get a third-hand information. Well, it must suck. I feel sorry for you guys out in California. I mean, here in New Hampshire, we've had problems with recording, but it's usually with video uh, recording devices. There are usually hardly any uh, issues with bringing audio recording devices into uh, any encounters with with bureaucrats here, as long as you inform them they're being recorded. I mean, they still don't like it very much. My First Amendment rights, why does the media or uh, a specific group of people on the American Disabilities Act have to fill out a form to go into a public building? And why is the rules of court superior to law? It's pretty outrageous. I share your concerns on that one. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I like how once we uh, brought up the point that the the whole all-caps conspiracy thing doesn't actually save anybody from a jail cell, he just moved right on beyond it. No. He didn't have anything to say to it. (laughs) I, I agree with him that people should be able to uh, put recording devices in, uh, in in courtrooms if they're being, you know, held by those people in those courts. Yeah, Absolutely. Disa- disabled or not, certainly uh, I think uh, he's got a good case for why he should be able to. And I think uh, that uh, if anyone wants to call in and talk about the all-caps conspiracy, the very first thing you should do is come up with something uh, some kind of some some really something really some really valid proof or something to to separate yourself from the eight bajillion other people who called in mm. about the all caps conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem to do a a darn thing. But I just it seems like wow, shocking that uh, one of those areas right where I didn't even realize that we had so much more freedom here in New Hampshire than they do out in California. I whenever I go in to deal with bureaucrats, I always have a, a lanyard. Typically, if I remember to do it, I, uh, I, put, I put a sign on myself, a little uh, name tag size sign that says, I am audio recording. And that way, wherever I go, they just they can presume that I'm audio recording them, whether I am or I'm not. It says that I am. I think that needs to be challenged. I think it's time for that. Uh, the, you know, the, In my California? My understanding is there's tremendous – well, everywhere. Uh, it's my understanding, and just about everywhere, certainly in New Hampshire, there's tremendous court precedents that uh, – tremendous precedents set in courts all over the place – that you do not have the expectation of privacy in a public place, and that applies to recording. There's all kinds of recording of people that they don't that that is happening. They're just informed. They are informed if they're on the phone or something like that. But people, um, 
but uh but but there's recordings done all the time and not actually not always i mean you you get you know recordings done of you uh without being aware of it and uh i think that it's just a i think we it's just there's a case of of recording where um i'm trying to think of the difference there's a where you have to inform someone and i believe it i believe it's um uh, yeah, it, it's I'm only when sure you have the expectation at. of privacy, though, and in a public place, there's no expectation of privacy. So all these people saying that you can't, with a recorder, you know, not we're not talking about tapping a phone line or something mm-hmm. where you expect that the call is not being recorded, uh, then, then you know, if you're recording, I think we need to just do it. And I think that it's not going to hold up in court, and they know it, and it's never been challenged yeah, when I it has right happened. About that. It's nev- they've never challenged and actually tried to prosecute someone with a felony for doing that. They just position themselves as though it is illegal what you're doing, and they want to scare you away from doing it. It's basically what they want. And that's right. what they're doing here, right. it sounds like, is they're, they want him to fill out a bunch of paperwork. Oh, whoa, 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 you, you can't bring that in here. Uh, we, you need to fill this paperwork out over here before you're allowed to bring that in here, or else uh, it's going to be illegal. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe they're just posturing. Yeah. Maybe and they it, just want you to obey. I feel like that's about, you know, we constantly, I, I, I don't believe in anyone doing anything that they're really uncomfortable with or anything like that. I think that when you, when you, you engage in an act of civil disobedience, uh, and what happens is when you, you know, we, we push our boundaries out gradually as we feel comfortable. Yeah. We feel like, okay, this is actually a reasonably safe thing to do. I know what the risks are. Maybe I'll go to jail for two or three days. Maybe this will happen. Maybe that'll happen. You kind of get a feel for what risks you're taking. And then you go, okay, I'm comfortable with that risk. And you do it. And then maybe nothing happens. And you go, okay, then you push your boundaries out. And, and I feel like this is a boundary that needs to get pushed out. Now. I agree. We need and to stop telling people we're recording. It's happening here in New Hampshire. That boundary is being pushed here in New Hampshire because we have enough people who are willing to back each other up and push that particular boundaries and a perfect example when uh when i went and paid property taxes in one six months ago they freaked out uh sam from the obscure truth network was there as uh, as was another uh, activist with video cameras they flipped out you can't be in here with those cameras there's private business going on here you can't be in here they called the cops down they made a huge scene it made for some great video which you can <laughs> see at freekeen.com uh but uh, this time around this last one where i went to pay property taxes because it's twice a year here in keen uh, I paid with fives. Again, Sam came in, this time with more equipment, with a boom mic and two cameras, and it was a bigger production on our side. They completely ignored it, didn't make, didn't say one word about it. I came in, gave my speech, paid the uh, paid the fives, we left, <laughs> that was it. No cops were called, nothing like that. So pushing those boundaries works, but yep. you have to have the people to do it. More yep. coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Juicy Juice, creators of the Juicy Juice Brain Development and Juicy Juice Immunity Fruit Juice Beverages. For more information, visit us at JuicyJuice.com. When it comes to staying healthy, the digestive system is a great place to start. It's 70% of the immune system. Look for kid-friendly foods that are high in fiber, like popcorn and yogurt. Prebiotic fiber helps the good bacteria in the gut flourish, while simple sugars like high-fructose corn syrup only help the bad, leading to bloating and discomfort. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where the features are free, including the wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. Get interactive. Edit virtually anything. 
It's free, of course. Wiki.freetalklive.com. This holiday season, you can get into the hands of your loved one a non-lethal weapon that uh, has the stopping power of that of a handgun. So, you know, no danger of them hurting themselves with it. They're scared of handguns. It's the Tiger Light. It's an incredibly bright flashlight with an integrated pepper spray. Its high level of utility comes from the fact that it is out and in your hand, because it's a, it's a flashlight, and unlike what other weapons, which you can't walk around with a weapon in your hand, generally. There's no expectation by the perp that you have a weapon. Tiger Light, you can get one today at tiger.freetalklive.com. Go over there and check it out. It's a Christmas special rate, tiger.freetalklive.com. Let's continue with your phone calls. Dustin is in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dustin. Hi on the there. Airplane. Hey there. So uh, I heard your topic there. It reminded me of this paper and... I, I like to keep these things so I can be reminded of, of what my relationship is with government at all levels. Okay, well, I got this letter here. Yeah, what is it? This is from the local school district regarding a third grader. This is to my wife. Okay, so starts out with uh, the elementary school in mixed case. Then it's addressed to my wife in all uppercase, and it addresses student all uppercase letters. It's real formal thing. Grade three, dear parent or guardian, this is to notify you that your child, in all capital letters, is being reported to the attendance office as a truant. And it goes on. Then it cites the section of code. And the wording is important here. Any pupil subject to compulsory full-time education or to compulsory, and it goes on from there, uh, has to do this and this and this. Okay. Also, in accordance with the law here, it says, we have to notify you that, one, the pupil is truant, two, the parent or guardian is obligated to compel the attendance of the pupil. Three, parents or guardians who fail to meet these obligations must may be guilty of an infraction and subject to prosecution. And it tells you why. And there's some other stuff that didn't really pertain to us. So they're uh, saying but, that your that your uh, son or daughter is has not been attending the government school and therefore you're facing criminal prosecution. Well, and the reason would be uh, absent from school without a valid excuse on three occasions or tardy for such and such a time and this and that. Hmm. And, then, and then it goes to tell you all these other things that could be possible that you could be subject to. Uh, the pupil may be subject to prosecution under education. Uh, education code, whatnot here, and the people may be subject to suspension and blah da da. So uh, tells you where you stand, and then the, and then the letter ends really nicely here. With you know, if you have any questions, feel free <laughs> to contact us. So my wife did; she called up and asked about all this prosecution, and uh, if that's the way they they feel about their students, really. Uh, and then I, I got a subpoena the other day. There's another oh one. You know, like the, uh, it, it's, I'm a witness, so I'm, it's not like I'm being prosecuted. But uh, it says right here that disobedience to this subpoena may be punishable as contempt of court. Uh, mm. You are commanded to appear at the, you know, la-da-da-da-da. Right, so, because you're their, you're their slave. I am their slave. I am their subject. And, of course, it's on all capital letters. I mean, I, I love that topic. And I'm one of these guys that's tried all the incantations in court. And uh, How they worked yeah. out. Not so well. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is a funny can... thing. I mean, it is a very bizarre thing, the way they do their legalese with the all caps and the, the defining words differently as, uh, as other things. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't make a difference in the long run. It just doesn't yeah, matter. What I've, what, yeah, what I've learned is if you if you, you can go in and challenge, that's all there to kind of create this sense of 
you know, to make it look legitimate and everything, yeah, and to but, create that sense that it's all valid. But but in, in the in the end, if you try and challenge that validity, they just dismiss you and they do what they want to do mirrors. anyway. If you're there, you're guilty. Yeah, they're not there to work out whether you're going to be guilty or not. You're already guilty. It's just a matter of when are you going to pay. And how are you going to pay? Mm-hmm. Most of it's just yeah. going through the motions to make it all look legitimate. Yeah, yeah and the, the court case <laughs> and everything. But I have had a lot of fun. I've gotten the so-called judge red in the face, um, got them trying to defend themselves, got them to admit that I had to prove my innocence. And the <laughs> peanut gallery enjoys it, too. So, hey. Go for it. Hey, put on a show, absolutely, and I, I still support. Like I was telling the other guy, I think it's I think it's a fine idea to question these people, to ask them questions in front of the the peanut gallery that they'll never hear in other cases, and that's what uh, Mark Stevens does, and he points out in his book Adventures in Legal Land, which I think is brilliant, by the way, that the uh, the the whole justice system, so called, essentially is nothing but a cover for violence. It's nothing but window dressing over top of a violent gang and their actions. Right, and what I like about Mark Stevens's approach is he asks questions. So if they're going to throw you in jail for contempt, they are throwing you in jail for asking questions. If you, uh, you know, make declaratory statements or you're like I did, right, spoke you, out of turn. If you go in there with the expectation that, uh, you know, the, the, the capital letters thing matters and that they've, you know, they, they've set a, up a corporate uh, straw man for you. And that if you just say the right words that they have to give you this bank account with a million dollars <laughs> in it because of the corporate straw man and you figured out their little trick. And I mean, they have all kinds of of. There's there's all kinds of, of, of right and left turns in this rabbit warren, um, and oh, yeah. none of them seem to lead anywhere. It just it just sounds like the ramblings of mad people um, that are telling other people, and that and, and none of them have really gone in and used them. And if they have used them, they always claim, "Well, I've I've been silenced by the court." Right, right. Uh, oh, and I, so I've been told you have a remedy if you wish to pursue it, which means okay, maybe you're right, but good luck proving that. And I've also, uh, by asking questions, I got one judge to suggest that we continue this on another date because he would not answer the question, hmm. which was something about jurisdiction. So even when you got them, you don't got them. Nope. Nope. But if you can, if you can get it put off for another day, then yeah, that's not too bad, right? Right. It's more paperwork for them. It's more time, which is more wasteful for them. And, and it does help other people. And when you see all these people line up, Especially, here's an, an angle of the Southern California you may not have seen, which is a lot of bilingual people or not so bilingual people that really don't know what's going on and they're really scared. Yeah, yeah. Because being here to be dependent on on what they say, so they just plead guilty. And these people will line up, and it'll be guilty, 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 guilty. They're yeah. just they love that the when they can just process people say, through. So, oh, absolutely. And then some jerk like me says. You know, show me my obligation here. Right. Or, <laughs> who are you? Right. Well, didn't Sam ask, uh, Sam from the Obscure Truth Network, didn't he ask recently when he was in court, uh, am I obligated to uh, do so-and-so? And the judge said something, yes, you're obligated. We'll deal with that later. You know, something like that. <laughs> like he completely brushed it off. He didn't want to answer any other okay. questions regards and to that. remember, yeah, they see this stuff every day. They, I'm sure there's some little notepad or something that, and it, okay, here's the latest things these guys are trying, and here's what you say. They've got to, because nothing will stop them. They know exactly what to say, no matter what, what you present. So it really is a losing situation, unless you're somewhere like New Hampshire, where other people are going to do the same thing, and you're going to clog up the system so bad that they cannot function. Absolutely. 
And that doesn't require any secrets or anything. It just uh, it just requires courage. Yeah, I got a parking ticket. This five dollars where 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 you are. It's um you know no big deal. Back in September, I decided I want to see what happens. I just I want to see who they charge because the car doesn't belong to me. It belongs to my wife, and um she didn't park that car. I you know I could I could swear there before the court. Not not um you know the. She didn't park that car. That's all the information you have. Prove, prove otherwise. And they gave me a court date, which I find very interesting, um, for a ticket that was stuck on the car. And they asked me if I parked the car. And I'm like, I'm not telling you that. I'm taking the Fifth Amendment, lady. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, then I've got, I, I appeared and spent two hours there while they went through, while they were doing ringing the cash yep. register with every, uh, you know. Plea bargains. The poor people. They were just running them through. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And then uh, they gave me a court date for April. <laughs> Got a five dollar parking ticket from September. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Hey. I just want to find out who are you charging here? Me, my wife, or the car? Thanks, Dustin. I appreciate the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Actually, they set uh, one of the activists that was arrested at the four twenty events and charged with cannabis possession went and got had his arraignment the other day. Guess what date his trial is? April twentieth. Yeah. Free talk lab. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us freetalklive.com. And one of the things you can do if you enjoy the program, you enjoy the fact that we give you all the features on the site free, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You just enter Amazon through that link and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It's that simple. You know Amazon, the world's largest internet retailer, and you probably still have some shopping to take care of. Uh, at this point, you've still got another two weeks until Christmas, so you can still get free Super Saver shipping at this point in the game. So get your shopping done tonight at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You can even buy used items if you need to save a few extra bucks. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You get the stuff that you want, the stuff that you need, and Free Talk Live will get a cut. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. To your calls, Scott is in Massachusetts, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Good evening, uh, Ian, Dale, hey. and Mark. How are you? What's on your mind tonight? I'd like to discuss Tiger Woods. Okay. Uh, I've always known that he uh, he's a poor loser, and I've always known he's been arrogant. Uh, I never knew that he would stoop so low uh, to uh, all of these. Uh, he's basically a, uh, a gigolo. But that's, that, 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 that's, that's the least of his problems. Uh, he's, he is depraved. But the reason why I'm calling you is Scott, that... Scott, I, I want to challenge this. You know, it's not uncommon for uh, the, the men in society that rise, uh, you know, rise to the very top to have, uh, in, in ancient times and all throughout history, to, to have more than, uh, you know, to, to have a large amount of female attention and have for themselves a larger amount of, of female attention than the average guy. And I don't understand the depravity that you're well, referring wait, to before, here. Wait, before we get into the depravity, quick correction. The word gigolo means a man living off the earnings or gifts of a woman, uh, especially a younger man supported by an older woman in return for his sexual attentions and companionship or a male professional dancing partner or escort. I don't think... I, I was wondering that when I heard it, too. I'm like, yeah. he's really, 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 really filthy wealthy, so yeah, I don't she's think he's having sex for money or anything. Right. So Let's the, say he's a, he's a whore master. 
A whore master. Uh, and, Man, how about uh, he's just a cheater? Say, yeah. How about just a cheater? All right, a cheat. Well, it, 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 it's you see, the reason why I, uh, I I am happy that he's he always came across to me as arrogant. And you know, you got there's a pattern here, and this is the pattern. You've got Obama, Oprah Winfrey, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. All black. And and what I'm saying is <laughs> coincidentally, they, of course, purely uh, coincidentally. What's that? Nothing. Go on. <laughs> and they are always on a pedestal. And they're always pointing the finger at white people. Uh, you what? say anything, you're what is, uh, uh, Oprah a white Winfrey? You're, you're a what, wait a second. Before you, uh, what, what is Tiger Woods yeah, pointing? Sharpton, what, yeah. Which white people is he pointing a finger at? No, no. What I'm saying is, he's an, I'm lumping him in the same group as Obama. Oprah Winfrey, Jesse Jackson, and Al Sharpton. Well, I, I wouldn't lump them together at all. I mean, I hear it for Al Sharpton, maybe, but that's you know, I don't see any, I don't see much evidence for lumping all of them. Jesse Jackson group. sounds like a, a fair, like he, he's made his money yeah, off of yeah, playing oh, sorry, the race. I, I didn't hear Jay, Jesse Jackson. Well, what yeah, I'm saying is they're, right. they're they're black and they're always pointing the finger at white people. Say anything and you're a bigot, you're racist. But on the other hand, if a white person dare ever dares criticize. Uh, uh, the, the the great one like uh, Oprah Winfrey or Obama or Tiger Woods, uh, you, you you you're automatically uh, you, you, you're you not you, in my world. I'm I'm sorry. We I criticize don't... Barack Obama all the time on this show, and um, we have been called so, bigots for it. But some we generally drag that. the person out and and some make them pe- explain that. Some people do that, but not Obama himself, and not I, I don't. I don't know. I have been following the Tiger Woods controversy, but I, has he been caught pulling the race card? I can't imagine. Are you talking about? Are you talking that, about this sort of? There's a group of people that will pull the race card all the time that have nothing to do with the people in question. So, are you talking about things that are being said about him? Or are you talking about him? He himself. You claim he's pulling the race card. I'm claiming that that, that this is what I'm claiming. And if so, what did he? What point me at something he said? What, quote quote him from an article or something. Uh, I don't think he can do it. Know. I think he's just lumping him in. No, I'm I'm claiming that he's first of all a poor role model. Uh, I'm claiming that that he's going to lose all of his endorsements. Well, that, wait a minute. I that could say that can... about a thousand celebrities. Right, that, and he's, that, he's and, and he's. Scott, and I'm going to be frank with you. So who cares, a, Scott? Uppity, that may a, be true about yeah. him, but it's also true about plenty of white guys too, who are also cheaters. That that may be the case, but when a white person does something wrong. A lot of times they're crucified, like Bill Clinton, how they persecuted him uh, when he. Uh, Are you say- saying Tiger Woods isn't being crucified? He's, well, he's in the, getting he's, it rough, man. He is, he, look, Scott, he there's people who are supporting him and people who aren't. It's, he deserves to be crucified. Just like everyone else when they do something like that. I think he's foolish. And there's probably a lot of bias on both sides. You know, like like when Clinton did stuff, the, you know, there were a whole bunch of liberals that were going to defend him and a whole bunch of conservatives who were taking. Uh, taking um, you know, ex, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity to criticize them, and and so it was just it's, there's bias on both sides, and there's a lot of people that support him, a lot of people who don't. I don't feel like you're making a significant point right now. The point I'm making is that Tiger Woods, is, to a large degree, has been put on a pedestal. He's an uppity black who made it to oh. the top of the why game. Do, why, do, why do you have to? Why do you have to bring race into this? There are right. a lot of uppity people out there. It doesn't matter what their skin color is. There, there are lots why. of sports. I'll tell you why. Because because Ian Dale, Mark, I'm going to be honest, very frank with you. When I see black people like Oprah Winfrey, Tiger Woods, in your face, very aggressive, and they like talk down to you, and that they're superior, it eats me up alive. 
I don't. But it doesn't bother because you because you're racist, but, right? But it doesn't because, bother you. Like, when there's white... plenty of people who do that because they're snobs, they're wealthy, right, they're celebrities. Right. For whatever reason, one. they have a, an elevated sense of their own uh, importance in the world, and they talk down to people. But the reason it bothers you when they do it is because you are obsessed with their race. Right. You can't get past the fact that they look different uh, you, than than you do because no, there's, you you're what, grouping them together down... because of that one factor. When there's plenty of snobs out there that talk down to people. I can't get to the fact that, that, that like Barack Obama, uh, uh, being, being black, being uh, in, in, in poverty, uh, that he should be the Lord and Master, or Tiger Woods uh, being black, and that, and that white people are, uh, are, 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 are like vassals to him. Uh, what I are you talking no- about? I have just never heard this. I mean, to me, every time I've seen Tiger Woods talk at any point, he always seems like a, a kind, humble He's man. He's always uppity. He's always uppity. What does uppity, uppity mean? Uppity. Can you uppity, have, wait a minute, uppity. Scott, can, can you be, can you be uppity and, and be white? Of course, there are snobbish whites, a lot of them. Isn't it possible, is it possible there are more snobbish white people than there are snobbish black people? But it annoys me even more when it's a black man. Of course, because you're racist. I don't want to be subservient to him. What about Asians? What about snobby Asians? Does that annoy you you too? Uh, You know what, Scott? When somebody, there's, when someone does not have a tremendous amount of self-esteem. Yeah. There's a couple different things they can do. They can do yeah. something to improve their own life and yeah. and feel good about themselves, or they can put down other people. And one thing that people like to do, uh, it, it's, it's particularly as a nationalism thing, you know, terms like white nationalists, is to group themselves in uh, with with one group that they would like to, in their mind, create manufacture as being superior to this other group. And and you do you are doing that. I, I would I would suggest to you that perhaps you have self esteem issues, and that's why it bothers you so much when someone that's in this group that you would like to consider as being lesser than your group has the audacity to talk down to you. And I think it, it, that, I think you need to address what is quite possibly a self esteem issue that leads that fuels your racism. I I got to be honest with you, and I'm and I, and don't ever say I'm a hypocrite. I am a racist. There's no question I am a racist. And I look at black people as I should not have to. I should not have to be subservient to them. You shouldn't well, have to be subservient to anyone. You aren't if subservient. If I was in the military, I could take an order from a white man, but I could not. <laughs> I'd have a very difficult time taking an order from a colored. I mean, a black man. Well, don't go a in the military. Why would you want to be subservient to anyone? <laughs> yeah, don't join the military. Would, don't take that from join, a white person or a black person. That's why I would never join the military because I, I, I'm why. basically an independent. I'm a free thinker. No, you're I not. Because you just said you would take orders from a white man. You're not. Why? A, I wouldn't want to take orders from anyone. You're, you're well, not you a, didn't say that just now. You said you could take orders from a white man, but not a black man. If I had man. to. If I had to. You are not a free thinker in that you, uh, Scott, are not willing to entertain the possibility that you could have things in common with people who are uh, look different from you or have a different religious belief set, uh, set as you or might have a different sexual uh, belief set as you. You, you. I've always had a mental block. Call it whatever you want, racism, uh, whatever, but I've always found that... What was your dad different... like? What's that? What was your dad like? My dad was bigoted. What a shock! <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I grew up. With, he, he was a good man. Don't get me wrong. How do we? How do you help somebody like Scott? I mean, how, how does? How does? I think he, Scott has to meet some black people, some Jewish people, some how do you do that? Uh, homosexual think, people. Well, you like, know, he's can, gonna, is there like a club where be, racists can that go? That might help, but I think you need to look inside Scott and see what's fueling all this because there's a problem. There's something going on inside you that's tearing you up, and you're projecting it. 
Thanks, Scott, for the call tonight. Good luck. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. There are snobs all over the place, and they uh, they don't necessarily look the same. <laughs> More coming up. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Hour number three is on the way. Take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. Now, actually, Dale, you're in the market for a, for a gigolo, except I guess you have to be a woman. Well, anyway, we can talk more about that. Free talk line. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231 as we launch here into the third hour of the program. 1-800-259-9231 can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We will continue here taking your phone calls, because that is the point of the program. And I still have a few other uh, interesting things to touch on if we get a chance, but your calls are the primary element. So let's start out with Alex. In Wisconsin, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Alex. Hey, Ian, Dale, and Mark. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? This question's for Mark because Dale just told me about 20 minutes ago on Facebook that Mark knows everything. (laughs) Um, Mark. Yes. Why is a patient with renal disease at risk for development of uremia as his nephrons progressively deteriorate? I'm sorry, Mark. I have no idea. All I know is that you're talking about kidneys. That's it, man. What was the question again? I'll take a stab at it. Why is a patient with renal disease at risk for development of uremia as his nephrons progressively deteriorate? Because nephrons, they they purify urine. Are nephrons related to muprons? I do not believe so. Okay. So, did you have anything else? No. Am I right? no, I don't really know. It, this is for my <laughs> pathophysiology final, and so I'm trying to get the answers to it, and I asked Dale if you guys would Wikipedia, be able to help man. that. Wikipedia. And Dale said, Mark, what? <laughs> well, I'm sorry you invested so much time in calling in and waiting on the line when uh, you really just should have known that we're just a couple of a talk boobs. show hosts here. <laughs> yeah, I've just... been working on this for like five hours. I needed a break. You know, the so reason that why... much makes perfectly good sense. The reason why we got into talk radio was because we really couldn't do much anything else. <laughs> Right. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. He waited a half an hour for that. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Why do people listen to me? I, well, I don't know. You're influential, I suppose. Uh, they they look up to you. And that's just the thing. You're talk better radio. than to listen to me. Well, yeah, I mean, they think you're a professional and all this stuff. Well, even you are, we are professionals in that we get paid. Uh, yeah. You're not getting well, paid for this, unfortunately. But no. And we didn't get paid for years. <laughs> um, but... 
the, the, that's the thing with talk radio is that people believe that because you have a microphone, it must mean and you have access to radio stations. It must mean that you know something, or it must mean that you're an expert at something, or or that uh, that you're somehow different in a better way than uh, than the average. I don't know. You're person. pretty knowledgeable about the radio business. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, anything you do for anything you do for a decade of your life, and I've now been doing this for about twelve years. Uh, not talk talk radio specifically, but the radio business. Uh, anything you do for a decade, you probably will become fairly knowledgeable about that. That's that much is true. But it doesn't mean that I'm that you would be any less knowledgeable had you spent ten years uh, in in radio. So. I like to shatter this particular illusion about talk show hosts as as often as possible because, for whatever reason, it it is very common out there. And I don't know what it is. I I maybe it's just because a lot of the talk show hosts out there like to position themselves as though they are uh, what what is it uh, that Rush Limbaugh says? Uh, Talent on loan from, from God. God. Yeah. Uh, one hand tied behind and his back. Whatever. Blah blah blah. You know. Maybe. Maybe. Well, he can cut off people that he doesn't like, or that if they sound too smart, you know. Right. He's got screeners that can cut. And, you know. And That's it's a, a great point. way to sound really, really intelligent. You get these people who are like, you take the most boob of the boobs of liberals. Right. And get them. And only let those people through to talk who only have like the the most straightforward talking points to bring up that are easy to shoot down. Sure works. Then, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think of that for a moment there because I'm so used to doing this show where we'll take calls from anybody. But but that was one of the reasons why I set Free Talk Live up the way that I did originally with open phones was because it always bothered me that uh, the other other shows were so heavily screened. And you're right. They can just screen out people. That will stay. They'll, they'll upstage them. You know, a caller yeah. that that is more uh, or cut them off or or mute them. And you know, if they do get at the point where they're upstaging them, whatever. Exactly, so because they have this image to maintain that they are somehow special human beings more so than anybody else. And I'm sorry, Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, and Glenn Beck, or whoever the hell the rest of you are out there, you're not. You just you just happen. I mean, these guys aren't particularly brilliant. They just happen to make the right connections with the right people and show well, up to work on time often enough to where they can... They have good, like, assertiveness and, you I, know, yeah, I disagree. being outspoken and assertive and all that, which I'm sure is great. For I them. disagree with what you're saying there. Rush Limbaugh is a genius in the area of broadcasting. Sean Hannity's a hack. Well, you may not like the way he does it. And I, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't like his show either. But what does a, a hack mean to you? Oh well, I have to pull up the definition. But okay, it's, a hack is somebody who just mails it in. Who's you know not not yeah. very good. They just say the same things over over and over again. They're they're not uh, you know making an effort. They're just uh, Sean Hannity's not original. He's he's just a uh, he's a he's a copycat of Rush Limbaugh. And he's just happened to done you know done a good job at it. But he's good at doing broadcasting. He may not be good at uh, you know figuring out his own. Philosophy but it's not hard to be good at doing broadcasting. That's what I'm telling you here. These people want to position themselves as though they're somehow special or better than anybody else. But the really? reason why they're in broadcasting because they're lazy and they didn't want to do anything else with their lives. I mean, broadcasting is easy. It's not like laying brick or having to do something where uh, you know you actually have to uh, c- construct something to specs that actually is important. You're just doing radio. I mean, it's entertainment. Yeah, and I think... Uh you know, You're a gesture. I, think, I guess what Mark is getting at is, you know, a lot of it is good marketing. You know, appealing to this, he's, he's got this this group of people 
and, and it's easier to get them when they're really upset, like right now when Democrats are in power and and you know and you get this following you know but and and by being by you know you i i wonder even you know i'm sure he he believes sure i'm sure most of what he says i'm sure a lot of it is 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 just something that he knows is going to appeal to this group that he has a following in yes and it's so they easy pander. to just kind of push their buttons you know and i think uh, i see the same thing with uh michael moore i think you know a lot of his films and everything is you know just these the inverse of rush limbaugh and i i i i am highly uh, speculative about how much he actually adheres to a lot of the things that he puts out there. Michael Moore, you mean? Yeah, sure. Almost any of these people who are you know, any of these talking heads, you know, it's like I think that it's just it's good marketing to find this disaffected group of people and just really push their buttons and get them going, and then you know get this fan following. Toll free number here is eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. People do seem prone to uh, the the cult of personality. They they're more interested in well, you you be the expert on the area of uh, you know philosophy on government, and then I'll just defer to you every time. I mean that's what a ditto head is, mm. right? Well, Rush Limbaugh says it. I agree. Ditto. Yeah. Um, and it's it's no just thinking easier. Involved. It's easier uh, than than you know b- thinking for yourself, and that's what Free Talk Live asks you to do. And it's one of the reasons that uh, our listeners get so upset when they disagree with us on a particular issue um, that you know may not be entirely related around liberty. I, what's coming to mind right now is vaccines, but mm-hmm. uh, you know there's there's other things that we disagree with our listeners sometimes on. And they're like, "But you're so pivotal. You're so important. The things you say are so important." Whoa, whoa. we tell people. To think for themselves. That's why we advocate liberty. I mean, yeah. if you're going to take vaccine advice from a guy on the radio that you don't know, I mean, you need to have your head examined. <laughs> Absolutely. Taking any advice from guys on the radio. That's the point I'm trying to make here is that when I, when I was in the, uh, you know, the corporate radio world and looking around me and seeing what was going on around me, it, it was pretty clear that it wouldn't be too hard to succeed. I mean, you have to show up on time. You know, make sure that you do the job that you're supposed to do, keep doing it, and you know, do it proficiently, and you'll it'll work out. You'll get ahead. The guy we worked for, the last radio station I worked for, was a drunk. I mean, that's the kind of people we're talking about here. Absolutely true. It, it doesn't take a whole lot to be successful in radio. Obviously, look, I did it. Yeah, I you mean, know? I think you're right, Mark. People who are, we're not here to tell people what to do. I mean, we're we're here. We're providing a dialogue. You know, so people can listen to it and, you know, they can filter through everything that's being said. Oh, that makes sense. No, that doesn't make sense. So he didn't really back up that point very well. And, and come, you know, think for yourself and come away with something from it. But, you know, don't don't listen. It's like, oh, let me figure out everything I need to do. You know, let me let me uh, hear. These guys need to tell me everything I need to do now. Right. I liked what they said on that one issue. So I'll just believe what they say on everything else. Please question everything, even what we say, even if you like us or you feel like you like us, because radio is a very Not personal what I medium. Say, though. It's a very personal what medium. <laughs> uh, when when you're talking on when when you're listening to somebody on the radio, you get to feel like you know them. You get to feel like it's that they're talking to you, and in a way, we are talking to you. But you is you know a few hundred thousand people right now, um, so it feels very personal for folks. But please remember that. We're subject to failure as well, and we could be wrong. So question everything you hear. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including archives. If you missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're yours for free. Front page of the website at freetalklive.com. And if you want to pick up gold and silver at great rates and... Uh, you know, an easy way to buy, and it's not complicated, you know, which collector coins and all that stuff. Just go to gold.freetalklive.com. I've gone over there. I've made it as easy as possible for people to buy in conjunction with Midas Resources, our syndicate. It's gold.freetalklive.com. All right, so uh, we continue here taking your calls about what you want. Let's go to John in New Hampshire on the amp line. John, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Dale and Mark. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on I your mind was, tonight? Uh... Just on my way home from a uh, government uh, meeting and uh, listening to Tuesday's podcast because I fell a little bit behind in my listening. And I just absolutely loved the proxy discussion uh, you guys had in the third hour on Mark's blow-up and Mark uh, trying to defend himself without actually going out and defending himself. Oh, okay. Well, what you're talking about here is, and by the way, I was completely oblivious during that discussion. I had no idea what that was in reference. I I thought it was an honest call. I didn't know what it was about. But, uh, Mark, can you explain what he's talking about for our listeners that were not there? Because most of our listeners were not present for the original conversation that sparked the call. Right. There was a lot a, of recapping that needs to happen here. Right. There's a whole bunch of recapping that needs to go on. I uh, we, we did a, uh, a an evening show, or what, what do they call it, after show, what we call an after yeah, show. extended edition, internet only. On Monday night, where, um, and... You know, there was a sort of relaxed atmosphere going on. on after shows, you don't have to worry about the FCC. And right. somebody asked me about how things were going with getting my project that I want to uh, get, uh, that I've been trying for two years to get through the FSP. The and Free State Project. The Free State Project um, and their board. Uh, and I basically just w- flew off the handle and said things that were You're very it, frustrated. Yeah, I, I am extraordinarily frustrated in dealing with the board, but I'm... You, Which is a board of bureaucrats, anybody, basically. Anybody who deals with any board knows the feeling that I have. That right, they're slow, they're bureaucratic, they like, are... Incredibly slow. Um, they, they meet once a month, so they have a difficult time making right. decisions. And... Uh, you know, it was poorly timed, and that you I only would... meet once a month. You need to get stuff done. <laughs> like that meeting, you should be banging stuff out. Well, but boards aren't good at that. You're more likely, uh, as somebody who's on a board, I'm on the uh, the local television channel board here, the uh, the cable access channel. Usually, what happens is you'll uh, put something off to the next meeting. Yeah, that tends to be what happens. That, that, that's a month away. It's really how <laughs> boards work, and uh, you know, I, I'm highly frustrated in dealing with them. But um, the very next day, and I knew this at the time, I just before I flew off the handle, I just flew off the handle. Like I'm frustrated about dealing with them. Um, I, I I met with the president. He solved you all used the, the f word in regards. To I did. That. I did. I used. I I, I I was completely out of line and in, in the language I used and the timing that I had. Call I, them feds. What's that? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. And you know I've 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 written, made a written apology of in those areas to the the board, and um you know they they under they understand the frustration because every one of them feels it in dealing with the board they get it they know that uh, that the old saying saying that none of us is as dumb as all of us it really holds true in dealing with uh, boards especially boards for not for profit organizations. 
So um, the actually my problems are solved as far as getting something through the board. It's it's done. The deal signed, sealed, and delivered. But um, the finally, next, yeah, finally. But the next day, somebody called in, and I think it was Neil from uh, New Hampshire was uh, who it was. But it wasn't the Neil that I know. So it was somebody else. Maybe it was a fake yeah. name. I don't have any idea who it was. And he tried to set up this sort of fake scenario that was similar to, in his mind, what happened to the other night, and then ask Ian about it so that he go ha ha ha. That's what Mark did, and you didn't fire him. You should have fired Mark. He's a bad guy. And well, I did call you out when you used the F word. I said you need to calm down and that you were out of line. That's, that's, as I recall, I mean, I don't, those weren't the exact words I used, but I did uh, immediately but jump fire in. Someone over you said the, that's not very firing nice. firing someone yeah. over the F word off of the air. No, I said, I said to know. him that's not very nice, It was, and it was, certainly was not I'm very sure nice. there's some people that are very upset with me. I get that. But, that's what, but I'd that, like to make it clear that I'm very upset with the way that I've had to deal with the, uh, the Free State Board, too. Right. So, that's what you're referencing, John. Go ahead with uh, your point for tonight. Oh, well, uh, I thought that was quite amusing. I mean, I have in the past been on that board, so and I was actually on the board uh, a while ago when that calling program first came up, and I thought it was almost done, you know, before I left the board uh, nearly a year ago. So, you know, I completely understand the frustration and, uh, you know, can't, figure out why the heck we couldn't move forward with it, but I'm glad we're finally looking to actually get something done and start making phone calls and start finding those other 10,000 people who just don't know they want to move to New Hampshire yet. And John, I want to thank you for the suggestion that you made that the, the tweak to the program that will be included, which is that uh, not only will we include the new signers into the grand scheme number, but we'll also sort of separate them out so that people that for whatever reason want to know um, who signed up in what manner They'll be able to find that information out, and so uh, I think that I think that that's valuable. And I think people will want to know that information. So what we're talking Thank about you. is a call-out program that will help bring the Free State Project, a, pro- a project that is uh, dedicated to bringing thousands of people, hopefully twenty thousand people, to New Hampshire in order to get active for liberty, to achieve liberty in our lifetime. Mark, you are interested in making that happen sooner rather than later with a, an active sales program, calling people. Uh, making a uh, recruitment know, program, making cold. Uh, not, I guess they're not cold calls because they're qualified uh, prospects. Could be from a list, but they're coldish, I suppose, because they aren't expecting you. That's right. Um, but uh, but and finally, it is finally moving forward. So it's great news. Uh, yes, I totally agree, and hopefully we can uh, make a few website changes to uh, accommodate uh, the calling program if anything is, needs to be done on that. Okay, um, John. Anything else tonight? No, like I said, your podcasts are keeping me well entertained on my drive to and from work uh, in the dreaded Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Thanks for that, dude. We've got to let you go. Your phone is kind of iffy tonight. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So maybe, Mark, with uh, with your and Jason Osborne's uh, input and, and whoever it is you're going to bring on board with this, the Free State Project will come to completion as far as making it to 20,000 signers. Over 9,800 people so far have pledged to pick up their lives and move here to New Hampshire in order to get active for freedom. And your proposal was that uh, you're going to get that to 20,000 here within the next 12 to uh, 18 months. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hedging my bets and saying 18 to 24 just in case things don't oh, go well. it was well. 6 to 12. Now right. it's 18 oh, to 24. Oh, I believe, dude, I, see. I believe absolutely that I'm going to make I it. I see. Uh, look, I'm going to do it so well <laughs> and so fast that, uh, that they're going to have to carve a bronze statue to Jason Osborne uh, there in, in Concord when we uh, have a truly free state. Uh, but... But I, 
I, I, I imagine they'll probably put a, a Manchester Brewing beer in Jason his hand, too. Jason would love to have a, a statue of himself, wouldn't he? Yeah, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> and he deserves it, because he really is. So uh, He's the, the man behind a lot of the great liberty-oriented uh, stuff that you uh, you hear and you see out there. I think people would confuse him cause, uh, with, uh, with with Colonel Sanders, because in, in a bronze <laughs> statue. You see, he has dark hair, and Colonel Stan- Sanders has white hair, but he's still got that same mustache and uh, it in statue, little yeah. beard thing, and, and he'd probably they'd put him in a, you know double-breasted suit for it. Coming up, we're talking about Los Angeles, uh, or we'll take your calls about whatever you want. Los Angeles and medical marijuana. You thought it was legal to sell medical marijuana in California. Well, we'll find out what they're, uh, they've got planned out there, and it's not good. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, line. It'll show you what working within the system will get you. Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And And Mark. Oh, you're still here. I'm still here. Yeah, (laughs) I haven't been fired yet. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. And they include the bulletin board system, chat room, Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan at Facebook at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. By the way, uh, Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. They are a bunch of effing morons at SACL CAI. All right, so uh, we continue here. <laughs> we continue and uh, go to Los Angeles here in the Wall Street Journal where the Los Angeles City Council on Wednesday has delayed a vote on a much-anticipated medical marijuana ordinance, asking planning officials to return next week with information on how many dispensaries could be closed because they're near homes, schools, and public gathering sites. Public gathering sites. Seems like a fairly large amount. I mean, there's a lot of schools, I imagine, in L.A., a lot of homes, a lot of public gathering sites, too. Council members indicated a vote could come in January on the draft ordinance, which would provide guidelines to greatly reduce the number of marijuana storefronts and push them out of neighborhoods and into industrial areas. The city council agreed Tuesday to limit the number of dispensaries to 70. Now, I was watching recently a a little movie called uh, Super Jaime. Perhaps you've heard of the... I have no idea what you're talking about. It was good. Uh, Perhaps you've heard of Super Size Me. Mark, have you heard of that, that film? Supersize me. Yeah, that one? that's the one where the guy eats McDonald's for thirty days. Well, the uh, apparently a comedian, and I don't recall his name, but he is—he's pretty funny. Uh, comedian out in California saw that movie and uh, was inspired, and I guess he got some financing, and and they actually did Super High Me, where he uh, for thir- for fi- was it fifteen days where he quit or thirty days where he quit, and then thirty days where he smoked all day. I thought he went 30 days 30, smoking 30, yeah. all day. He did go. He got, he went without for a while. Right. Before, it was 30 and 30, so that he could be totally clean and sober. 
for testing and all that stuff before he started smoking a lot right. so for this, 30 days. So this is a guy who is a regular cannabis user who, uh, you know, it, for the purposes of this film that he was making, quit smoking cannabis for 30 days straight. And so they documented his 30 days mm, of... I'd like to know... No, no, he smoked for 30 days straight. A lot. Of, no, no. He quit smoking for 30 days and then smoked oh, yeah, for 30 yeah. days. Yeah, he quit. He, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. The, right. The, 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 the whole point was to be sober first, yeah. Correct. So so he he quit smoking cannabis for 30 days. They documented his process of what his life was like while he was no longer using cannabis. And like you said, Dale, he went and he did some tests, like some memory tests, and uh, uh, a phys- he had a physical done and, and stuff like that. And then uh, then he smoked cannabis daily, all day long, pretty much, for uh, for 30 days straight. And they documented that as well. And it was a very uh, entertaining film. And I, I don't know, I, I guess I'd give it three and a half stars out of five. Three, three if I have to uh, not use halves. But uh, it was good. And in that film, they talk about the situation out in California with the dispensaries. And they, they give you some numbers as far as how many uh, dispensaries after this medical marijuana provision was passed back in the ni- in the 1990s back in 1996 proposition 215 was passed out in uh, California by the voters and it took them about a decade to finally really get it uh, into effect where the police wouldn't stop them from opening the local police that is the DEA is a whole other story but where the local police would actually leave them alone when they'd try to uh, to use the the law that was passed and open up dispensaries and that sort of thing so they actually tracked within, I think it was 2004, 2005, 2006, 07. They, they looked at the numbers of dispensaries, and it went from in the dozens the first year to the hundreds the next year, and then several hundred uh, the year after that. So watching the expansion of the availability, the, the, the legal-ish availability of uh, marijuana out in California, just by looking at the numbers of the dispensaries was pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, just just to see the numbers just jumping up like that. So now the city council has brilliantly decided in Los Angeles to limit the number to 70. Now, when the state passed the law uh, allowing for medical marijuana co-ops in 2004, Los Angeles never set forth guidelines on how they should operate. That led to rampant growth of dispensaries. Why? Because the market demands. Yes, (laughs) people want them. The number in the city today is estimated at, go ahead, Mark, take a guess. Dispensaries in Los Angeles? Los Angeles. Uh, city of uh, 7 million? They're going to uh, limit it to 70. In Los Angeles or in California? Los Angeles. Oh, I see. Um, I, I, I was going to guess significantly higher than that. Uh, 500. 1,000. Gosh. 1,000 medical marijuana dispensaries. I wanted, uh, maybe the article will address this, but I am curious how they're going to determine who gets to stay open and who doesn't, <laughs> and who greases the right palms. Yeah, that'll be it, right? Always yeah. an issue. Money. It'll yeah. be money. And who knows the right people yep. and so on. So uh, so, that, so it's made med- medical marijuana one of the city's fastest-growing industries. As more dispensaries open, police, city officials, and residents complained. That many were illegal cash businesses that had little to do with medical care. The city decided to crack down. Today we took the first step in regaining the trust of the residents of Los Angeles by protecting the integrity and safety of our communities while offering medical marijuana to those who truly need it, said Councilman Jose Huizar in an emailed statement Tuesday evening. 
So apparently uh, they're going to offer medical marijuana to those who truly need it, but only in 70 locations as opposed to the much, much more convenient 1,000 locations that they, uh, that they currently have. Right. And, and if you decide that this is somehow an inefficiency in the marketplace, it's none of your business whether there's 1,000 or not. That's what they... Who cares? <laughs> right. They're keeping themselves open. It doesn't cost you anything. Oh, but they're cash businesses, Mark, and this is they, that's the way businesses ought to be. <laughs> there's something going on at these establishments that is right. not. What by is the wrong law. with our country when it's a problem that you use U.S. legal tender? Well, you can likely pay in cash at the other at the other places, but what they're I think they're what they're suggesting is that they are. Uh, they're not necessarily following the laws to spec at all of these uh, at all of these dispensaries. As though shutting down. Sounds to me what they're, they're worried about is uh, is the income um, that they're not getting sufficient income as uh, from them as from they would them, other yeah. businesses. That would make sense, right? Because if it's cashed and they can't really identify who's doing what as far there's, as there's going to be 70 WalMarts of medical marijuana, basically, instead of mom and pop store medical marijuana shops that, that provide uh, goods and services in different manners for different types of people. I mean, different people exactly. need different di- different dispensaries. Right, and as though shutting down 930 stores is going to somehow stop those uh, clients from getting getting the cannabis they're looking for, <laughs> they're yeah, just going to hit the streets. And, I mean, yeah, and let's also point out that uh, there, those are 900 stores that probably have, uh, you know, several several people that uh, work there, and those those are families yeah, that are now being yeah. unemployed. They're putting yeah. in, in this a, in economy, they're putting yeah. people out of work. Absolutely. I was going to say, in this market especially, to be doing that. Well, crazy. you know, we need to do this because there needs to be a 1,000-foot buffer. The council has mandated a 1,000-foot buffer between medical dispensaries and residential use areas. Because we know that if kids had to walk more than 1,000 feet after school to get to the dispensary, then they won't buy anything. <laughs> I mean, they're and not going can... I, I don't think they're going in there. Any, I mean, no, they, you I know, these guys don't can... want to risk this, this, you know, their, their license no. anyway. But no. it's, it, once again, it's like the 1,000 feet away from the pedophiles. Right. Like, that's going to keep pedophiles. If there's some weird pedophile that's cruising the, the playground at school, right. like, like, he's not going to go over 1,000 feet from his home to get there. As... And these kids are not going to go over 1,000 feet to get to no. a medical marijuana they're... dispensary. It's so they're... silly. There are not middle schoolers walking into medical marijuana dispensaries in California and buying pot there. That's right. just not happening. Because they're, le- they're legitimate storefronts, those middle schoolers are buying the pot the way they've always bought the pot, from somebody in high school or one of their other middle school buddies who's selling it to them on the you know uh, the sports field or behind a, in, in an alley somewhere. And that's going to continue going on. As though the kids are not going to be aware that mar- marijuana exists in Los Angeles because there's a 1,000-foot buffer between the... Uh, the stores and residential use areas, and now, of course, they're also proposing uh, that uh, that also include uh, public gathering sites, homes, and schools. Medo- uh, medical marijuana advocates say they were against the arbitrary caps on the number of dispensaries, but said new regulations proved it's possible to regulate mar- medical marijuana on a large scale. Yay! They're regulating us! Yay! Eight hundred two five nine. You ask for one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Your thoughts on this or whatever's on your mind? Even in these remaining moments, there's enough time for your call. If you make it now, it is Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live only. Moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it now to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, one of the ways you can do it is become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. Take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations across the country, bring more internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Head on over to amp.freetalklive.com and sign up, get perks like access to the Amp Only call-in lines, Amp Only podcast, forum, and more. All the details are there, amp.freetalklive.com. So, oh, I'd, I'd huh? like to make a point here. The huh? caller who called in about the uh, the renal failure and uh, um, how the what, yeah. ne- nematodes or whatever clean clean urine or something like that. It turns out I was right in the guess that I made. Oh, great. Uh, so we're talking about Los Angeles. The Wall Street Journal reporting that apparently the thousand medical marijuana facilities that exist within the city of Los Angeles will be will likely be um, be not likely, but definitely be just sliced down. To 70. They're going to put 930 stores out of business because of, well, whatever the hell. Maybe they're not paying the government enough money. Who knows what the rules are? The, the, the government people are going to crack down, and more than 70 dispensaries would be allowed to remain open if they meet the new guidelines. So who knows how many of them will actually meet the new guidelines, which is a 1,000-foot buffer between the dispensaries and residential use areas, schools, public gathering sites, and who knows what other guidelines they'll tack on before all this is said and done because uh, they've delayed the vote on uh, one of these ordinances till next week. So we're yet to see what the, the full story is here, but they have they have agreed to limit the number of dispensaries to 70, and they have mandated a 1,000-foot buffer between medical dispensaries and residential use areas. Tuesday night's decision gave preference to 137 dispensaries that had registered with the city early on. Those dispensaries would have 180 days to comply with the new regulations, but many are expected to close. And at the same time, medical marijuana advocates were celebrating the city's uh, regulations by saying, hey, see, see, it proves that medical marijuana can be regulated on a large scale. This is great news. In fact, the quote from Chris Hermes, the spokesman for the Americans for Safe Access, said, this is a huge milestone. It definitely sends a message to the rest of the country that the second largest city in the nation has recognized the need for legal distribution. F, legal distribution. How about we just have free market distribution where people get to decide for themselves how to sell and how to buy marijuana without having to go and get some damn permit from the state? This is not freedom. This is just another regulated business now. That's what medical marijuana has turned into. It's going to be another business where politically connected people... And people who paid their bribes gonna are going to be the ones killing on it because they're the going to be able to hedge it. They won't have, well the people who the are, pol- who are the connected in, ones. Yeah. yeah, the connected people are going to make a killing because they don't actually have to compete with others. That will it'll, it'll uh, hurt competition and absolutely and, 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 prices will go up. Yeah, service yeah. will not be as uh, as good, and uh, the locations are just not going to be there. You're talking about Los Angeles. That for, place is huge. And then, yeah, and for medical. People. I mean, people who are, you know, some of these people are, a lot of them are going to be on chemo. Right. Uh, things like Wheelchairs. that. Wheelchairs. And, 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 you know, the fact that is, you, you're making, why are you trying to make life more inconvenient for someone who's already suffering? Hey, it's just business. 
This is we bad. need to have licenses. Marijuana is bad. Wait, 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 wait. we got to protect the children. That's what it is. Children. Children. Everybody, there's children in Los Angeles, so we need to keep these places in industrial districts where it's very scary to go to and uh, keep it away from the children. Where all the liquor marijuana. stores are. Yeah. I mean, this is so ludicrous. I mean, they can have liquor stores next to these uh, parks and churches and uh, community gathering areas, whatever the heck that thing is. Yeah. You can buy liquor at Eckerd Drugs and, it, and it hard depends. liquor in, in California. Oh, is that so wow. in California? I don't Yes. Yeah. I remember when I first moved there, unless laws have changed since I left. But when I, I remember when I first moved there, my my you know it was it was like I was like a cartoon character. My hat popped off my head and did a few flips and landed back on my head again. <laughs> I walked into the into an Eckerd Drug or something like that, some drugstore, and there's a big um, liquor display right there. And I'm like, I can buy liquor, and you can do it on Sunday. Wow. That's you can go to the grocery amazing. store and buy hard liquor in California. You don't have to go to a state-approved store, and um, you know. And uh, and and but they're worried about mar- marijuana. Once again, liquor is much you know alcohol much much worse than marijuana in so many ways across the board. Like across the board, if you want to look at the dangers involved and everything, it's just across the board worse than marijuana. And but they're this is ridiculous. All right, so uh, th- th- there you have it. I mean, that's that's what they're looking at doing is just locking down the marketplace in Los Angeles. And the medical marijuana people, uh, some of them are are happy about this. And especially the 70 business owners that are operating, the, the ones that will be allowed to stick around, they're real happy about this. Because yep. you, just na- you just eliminated, what, 70 out of 1,000? You just eliminated 90-plus percent of the market, not, the, the, the suppliers out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Nice but this to be is one of happens. those guys. Those guys. <laughs> this is what happens, though. This is what they wanted, right? This is what the medical marijuana advocates uh, advocates wanted. They wanted their marijuana to be regulated. We want it to be regulated. We want it to be taxed. This is how we really need to make this happen because people are sick. Well, how about we just have freedom where instead of medical marijuana laws and regulations and all of this nonsense, you just eliminate the decriminalize the the issue of carrying marijuana and selling marijuana, and then you just allow people to sell it however they want to sell it. It's a, a flipping plant. So this is why that medical marijuana uh, advocates and the medical marijuana provisions frustrate me as a liberty-oriented person, as somebody who is concerned with uh, with the, the war on drugs. Right. We can see here. We can see here what happens when because uh, this because the way medical marijuana was passed in California it was passed by a you know by the people as opposed to by the yep. legislation. So they weren't ready for the regulation or anything like that. And so the regulations coming later, and we're seeing what the regulation causes in the marketplace. They're taking a thousand dispensaries and cutting them down to. What was it? Seventy. Seventy inside a city of seven million people, and it's it, it, it's bad. It's not good for the marketplace. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for sick people. So the people that advocate for regulation in a uh, marketplace where uh, marijuana is criminalized, I can understand that. That makes sense. However, here's what we we can see: what happens if free people can buy and sell a dried plant freely, or at least more uh, more freely um, than than this. Some of the yeah, suggesting what, here it's what happens is what has always happened with any industry that has been regulated that certain elements certain business uh, people decide that they're well there's too much competition here oh, boy we're barely making any profits we need to really uh, get together with the government people and come up with uh, we we need a commission of the reg on regulation of marijuana we, we, we need, need to use violence to make money instead of yeah. making it freely. 
voluntarily, consensually. We, we need a licensing board that everybody who wants to open up a marijuana dispensary will have to go to and uh, bow down on bended knee and submit all kinds of paperwork and, uh, and cash and make sure that they, uh, they obey every one of our arbitrary diktats before they're allowed to p- supply marijuana to the people that need it medically. Because that's how business is supposed to work. That's how it works everywhere else. That's how it works in so many industries where in order to be a plumber, you have to go and bow down to the, uh, the board of regulation and, and show them that you've got all the, you know, the equipment that they mandate that you have and that you've jumped through all the proper hoops. And then well, they'll mostly they don't the- limit how I mean, they, they just put these uh, sort of restrictions on these hurdles in, in place. Taxi of- cabs are limited. That much is true, but I'm saying on plumbers, they don't. It, right. It depends on the business. Um, it just depends on the arbitrary rules whoever the board of uh, the, uh, r- r- rulers has come up with. You're right. If it's, it's whatever the uh, businesses in place are able to do to clamp down on new growth and competition yeah. in that area. Because there's one thing that uh, people that are in a particular industry, they, they compete. They compete heavily with each other. But there's one thing that they can uh, all agree on. We don't need any more people in this right. industry competing. My God, so, there could be 2,000 dispensaries if we keep letting this go on. Right, things like that. Prices will just keep dropping, and we'll right. have to work Customers harder, would make be a better, better product served. to make money. It would be crazy. So uh, here you have it. Uh, you pass a law thinking that it's going to help people out, and it does initially when before the government figures out how to control things too much. It does initially where you see the explosion in the uh, the, the clinics, the marijuana dispensaries, and now, whoa, it's too much. It's too much. We can't just let people be free to open these things, even though it's still highly regulated, even though you still have to actually follow a number of rules and regulations in order to even open one of these dispensaries in the first place, that they're still subject to uh, raid and things like that and uh, and being shut down because they haven't crossed the right T's and, and dotted the right I's. But nonetheless, people were willing to jump through all that. They just keep making it more and more difficult, which is why anytime anybody proposes medical marijuana, it's very hard for me to get very excited about it. Yeah. Very hard. This, this, this yeah, is what happens. Absolutely. And, and California was one of the better systems. The one they were proposing here in New Hampshire was a, a joke. The, the one they were proposing here was state-run entirely. You want to talk about a bad idea. Anyway, we're done for tonight. It's Benny in here with you. And Dale. And Mark. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. The Edgington Post interview series continues, and I I have a, a special guest with me, Jim Babka. Jim, um, you, we talked today, and you said you had a very uh, exciting bit of news, and I, I wanted to get a special interview here for you. Well, this so, is cool. I mean, I'm glad you guys are getting this scoop first because we're not going to say anything in the downsizer dispatches on this until next week. And uh, this is a this bill's not even available to be uh, read yet online. So, uh, but yesterday, uh, Ron Paul introduced the Free Competition and Currency Act. Uh, the Free Competition and Currency Act is a combination of three bills that were introduced by him in the previous session that uh, all year we've been trying to get him to reintroduce, and we're thrilled that, as one package, and we're thrilled that he's going to be doing that. And uh, these, are, these are honest money bills, what they really are. 
and we're very, very excited that uh, this, is fi- this, this has finally happened. This is part of our Downsize DC agenda, and, and we feature all of these things at GiveUsHonestMoney.com. We'll be updating this campaign over the weekend and telling our own supporters about this exciting news. You know, I, I mean, I, I I don't know what chance we have of getting this thing uh, run through, but uh, at this point, I think it's just a huge thing just to get the bill introduced and uh, in a in a principled fashion. Yes, it is a big thing, and you know, this by the way, this is proof of concept for us because we are really the only ones that we're continuing to press him on this. As audit the Fed has taken off, more and more people have been interested in that piece of legislation, and that has come to dominate the discussion solely and. You know, the indications that we were getting before is that they had no interest in coming back and, and doing anything with these bills because they were having so much success with audit the Fed. But the question has always been, after the audit, what next? Uh, during the summertime, we put out a message, you'll recall, Mark, where we explained that there were, uh, we foresaw five possible outcomes for uh, if audit the Fed was successfully passed, and four of them were bad, and the most likely, uh, least likely one, excuse me, was the fifth reason. And uh, that was the one that everybody... Uh, in our camp was hoping for, which was that the audit would show that the, this institution was so craven, so despicable, so evil, that everybody would want to throw it, throw it away, uh, and that institution being the Federal Reserve. Uh, we're arguing that uh, there's a better approach to this, and the Free Competition and Currency Act, uh, for which uh, Ron Paul gave a wonderful statement on the floor, uh, would take out legal tender, uh, take that away from the dollar, would allow for the uh, coining of money by private entities, uh, and would also say that uh, gold and silver can't be taxed as capital gains uh, anymore. And this would open up a whole new set of, of, of opportunities to almost create a private barter economy that would actually work much like our current currency economy works, where people could exchange goods and services for gold and silver very, very easily without fear, like the Liberty Dollar had, like gold money did, like other en- enterprises have had over the years of the government crushing uh, their competition. And uh, everybody, you know, I like to illustrate it this way, Mark. I'm, we're a homeschool family, and we've opted out of the public school system. We didn't have to persuade a Congress to vote to allow our kids out of that school system. We opted out, and every family that walks away from the school system disempowers uh, the government school system just that much. And the more people that are persuaded to do it, the, more that, that's, the less influence that system has. The same thing would be true of the Federal Reserve. Everybody that chooses to engage in some kind of barter system, they, they opt out of using Federal Reserve notes as the means of, of exchange, um, they're essentially reducing the influence and power of the Federal Reserve and in that way making it an increasingly smaller and less relevant institution, one that uh, has a harder and harder time inflating its currency. And so that's the real leverage and power. It's, it's a gradual thing. It's a voluntary thing. It's just a matter of freeing individuals to begin making better decisions with their, with their resources. We think this is huge, and we think that this is the, what comes next after the audit that matters the most. I, you know, I, 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 I think you may be right. I think that the, the most exciting thing for me is that uh, Downsize DC has gotten verbatim what it is that they tried to, you know, that they were trying to do, which is introduce a bill. And mm-hmm. I think that that, uh, that is a, a huge thing. And, um, you know, for that, I, I commend you. Thank you. So um, what else is going on over there at Downsize DC? I, I saw something recently. <laughs> well, you know, since we're talking about Ron Paul, his son Rand is running for Senate uh, in Kentucky. Uh, he's a viable candidate uh, who has, uh, there's an establishment Republican who he has pulled even with uh, polling-wise. 
They're dead even right now. Some polls even actually have Rand slightly ahead, but within the margin of error, they're basically even. They're basically even in money, uh, but Rand's fundraising is accelerating while his opponent, Trey Grayson's uh, money, is uh, his growth in, in support uh, financially is decreasing. And that's easy to explain, too. It makes a lot of sense that would be the case because he's kind of the access candidate, whereas Ron Paul, uh, Rand Paul's raising from a broad constituency that are excited about his issues and his person uh, running. And so... Uh, we're we're uh, excited that he has said that he wants to support the downsized D.C. agenda. And what happened was I, uh, we set up a meet where I went down to Kentucky, and I, I tell you, it was great. I no sooner had walked in the door than he said, well, I already know pretty much how I'm going to respond to you. Let's uh, turn on the, uh, the camera and let's record this meeting so that we can share this meeting with our supporters. And uh, so he has agreed that he will uh, sponsor the Read the Bills Act, the Write the Laws wow. Act, the wow. subject, and the One Subject at a Time Act. He will sponsor all of those. He will co-sponsor the Enumerated Powers Act, because it's already been introduced in the Senate as well by Tom Coburn. And he will, uh, another bill that we have not promoted much at all because it has not been reintroduced was Nathan Deal's bill. Now, he refuses to reintroduce it at this point. We don't know why. It had co-sponsors. Uh, was the Financial Responsibility Act, uh, the Fiscal Responsibility Act. And this was a bill that actually would have would cut congressional pay every year they run a deficit. Oh, wow. And so he said that he will, if that bill has not been reintroduced when he arrives, he will reintroduce it as well. well so it's, a, it's, it's darn near a clean sweep for our agenda right there. And, that sounds uh, like a very good thing. Um, I did read something off of his website recently where he uh, you know, wants to increase the size of the military, put him on the border with Mexico, and put a giant electric fence or something up there. Um, is he going to introduce that stuff before or after the electric fence? <laughs> well, I don't – to be honest with you, Mark, I'm not familiar with this, uh, this part of his uh, agenda or proposals. And if that, if that is a part of what he's proposing, obviously I, I personally am quite disappointed by that. Uh, I would like prefer that uh, we downsize government all the way across the board. You know, if we build a, a, a 12-foot wall on the border, the, then there'll be, 13, there'll be a real market for 13-foot ladders. Yeah, that's and, true. And uh, – so it can't work. It's a bad idea. Uh, it's a very expensive idea. It'll be impossible to enforce, and who knows what draconian measures we will come up with to do it. I, I don't like walls. I didn't like the Berlin Wall, which we just recently celebrated the fall of, and I don't like the idea of this wall either. And so I think it's a bad expenditure of money. You know, as we attempt to advance our agenda, though, you know this from past experience, we will work with anybody that will help us advance our cause because it's not the person that matters. It's, not, it's especially not the parties that matter to us. We're not interested in partisanship or personality. We're interested in these principles, and we're advancing very specific issues that we believe will have the long-term effect uh, of downsizing D.C. So I'm encouraged, very encouraged by Rand Paul, and I know that, I, we, that he agrees with downsized D.C. far more than maybe any disagreements such as this immigration issue. And so, you know, where we can work together with him to advance our causes, we will. And I promise, you know, if, if we're in positions where he's taking positions where he wants to expand the size of government, uh, he's not going to see that kind of support from downsized D.C. And But uh, this is not about Rand Paul. This is I, about our success. I agree. I agree. Um, and I, I appreciate where you're coming from and, and, and what you have to say on it. Um, I'm just kind of curious. You know, it's got to be... Uh, the, 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 the polls are that essentially people are 80-20 against illegal immigrants. And um, 
you know, so the stand that you and I have is is in the minority, and it's got to be darned difficult to get elected, especially under the Republican ticket, by saying something like, I believe that free people should be able to cross the borders of a free country in a free manner. Um, like, that's got to be... Especially a, if you say it with that tone of voice. Right, and that, that can't help either. <laughs> so, I, I just wonder, uh, to some extent... You know, if this guy intends to win, and it looks like he has a chance, um, what you know? How much of that is pressure? You know, I'm I'm of the opinion that if I was in Kentucky, first off, if I was in Kentucky, I'd leave. But secondly, <laughs> if I was in Kentucky, I would vote for Rand Paul. You know, I what what's my other choice? Going and voting for the other Republican? No, no, thank you. I'll take more liberty rather than less. Right. Right, and, and we always want to be moving in a direction in, in that direction. We're we're directionally focused. You know, the words "downsize DC" do not suggest a destination, but a direction. And uh, we've always been of the mind that those who want to make the trip, you know, can go as far in that direction with us as they want. When they want to get off the train, they can get off the train. But we're going to keep moving in the direction of downsizing. Uh, you know, for you and me, uh, you know, the state is a uh, maybe at best an evil necessity, and probably and perhaps not even that. Uh, so we're working within an environment where we're trying to maximize the amount of liberty that we can have in our lifetime uh, by reducing the federal government. We're trying to—that's the area where we're contributing to this, to this in this fight. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure whether the state's a necessity or not, but I do believe that many, many, many people believe that the state is a necessity, and I think that if you, uh, you know, you go talking about we're going to get rid of the necessity, that it just scares the bejesus out of them, and they don't listen to anything you have to say after that. Exactly. I, I think there is a whole bunch of that, and so you know we have. And that's another thing, too. We have always tried to even frame the issues, and we've taken some pretty radical stands uh, over the years, uh, radical enough that we're wel- still welcome on, on your show. Uh, <laughs> right. And, 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 uh, uh, but we've tried to always word these things in a way that, uh, that reached a- across different lines and actually were, you know, uh, seemed reasonable. Uh, this, we got this habit of mind and, and approach from uh, Harry Brown, who you know could say the most radical, outrageous things in, a, in such a calm, measured response, and and do it in a way that came across both in how he appeared and in how he spoke, that uh, it seemed reasonable, it didn't seem threatening and scary, it didn't seem crazy or wild-eyed. It's, and so you know, it's we do that. True. I, you, know, I, you know, we had a, a, a great story. I had lunch with a guy last year, a supporter of ours, and he said to me, uh, "I'm crazy. I'm 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 an absolute loon, and I know it." He said, I go, he said, I get so emotional when I try to convey these, the things that I believe. I've got a bunch of, everybody in my family is a bunch of socialists. There's half of them work in the school system and, and so forth, and they all think I'm crazy, okay? And he said, I am. I know I am. I get all worked up. I get all bothered. And he says, but you know something? He said, I've been able to take your messages, and I've been able to forward them to some of these people. And they've read these messages, and they've come back and said, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And he said, so I want to ask you, please. Promise me, you'll never be crazy like me. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing so that I have a way to reach out to these other people. Well, I took this as a very, um, a, first of all, an amazing amount of self-awareness that somebody would say something like that and, and, and see what we were attempting to do, what we contributed to their life like that. I thought that was really cool because most people expect you to flat-out agree with them and do things their way all the time. But he said, no, no, I, you are a tool and that we can use. Your organization is a, prevents, presents things in a way that I really can reach out to people that I wouldn't be able to reach otherwise. So keep doing what you're doing. And, and that's kind of how we've approached uh, a lot of our issues in general. 
It's very validating. Now, Jim, you worked with Harry Brown on one of his campaigns, did you not? You were close to him? Yeah, I was uh, his press secretary for the 2000 campaign, booked over 800 interviews in a 10-and-a-half-month time for him. Good heavens. So now, <laughs> did um, when you... You know, just let's let's be reminiscent here for a minute because I think that Harry Brown was a, a great man in the Liberty Movement. And uh, what, when you think of Harry Brown, what 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 little story comes to mind for you? You know, you know, a, a, a one thing that people don't know about him is that he was uh, early in his life, like many men of his generation, he had to do a stint in the U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also, everything about Army life kind of rebelled against who he was. Uh, he was somebody who preferred uh, to sleep in in the morning and do his work at night after the sun had gone down. Uh, in fact, during, uh, after he was successful uh, as a writer, uh, that's exactly what he did. He, he would get up uh, every day around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and he would start working at 5 p.m. after he had what most people consider dinner. That was his breakfast. Hmm. And, uh, and he would go to bed at like 5 in the morning. I mean, this was his, you know, his routine every day was roughly to go to bed at 5, 6 a.m. and get up at roughly 2 and 3 in the afternoon. And he had, uh, he was, uh, he didn't really have all his political views fully formed at that young age. Um, and so, you know, when they asked him if he was a communist, he said he never really considered the question. He didn't, didn't sound like a terrible thing to him. Uh, and uh, he described himself as kind of being the Beetle Bailey uh, character in the U.S. Army. I mean, he was, you know, kind of a slacker. He wasn't really interested in being there. He didn't want to get up in the morning, wasn't interested in keeping his uniform in order. And he'd even kind of let loose that he might be a communist. I mean, that's how bad he didn't really want to be there. Yeah, that can't be good. So uh, they decided, you know, this was his first lesson in how government doesn't work, that they would assign him to the nuclear testing project. <laughs> and so he was out working at, at Los Alamos or somewhere like that, where they were actually, you know, detonating bombs, and he was able to watch the detonations in these chambers, and he was, you know, in, uh, in passing uh, top-secret, you know, uh, facilities and working with very top-secret people and, and guarding very top-secret things and, you know, had access to all this stuff. And he had basically said, you know, I might be a communist. He, had, he was a terrible soldier. He didn't even want to get up and do his, you know, do his duty. And he ended up there, and he said that was, that was the beginning of his, uh, a very major part of his journey to realizing that government doesn't work. Well, I, I, you know, I, I love to hear stories about Harry Brown. He's, uh, he's a great man in the movement. Uh, Jim, anything else you want to share with the audience before I uh, kick no, you off? No, just come check us. Just come back and check us out at DownsizedDC.org. We're going to have more good news coming uh, next week uh, on the Read the Bills front, too. At least I think it'll be next week. We've got this, uh, this scoop that we've given with you today about uh, this, this new Honest Money bill. And, in fact, if people want to see uh, you know, what we've been trying to do there and what we believe will happen as a result of it, they can go to GiveUsHonestMoney.com. That's the shortcut way to get to that specific campaign. But, you know, this is cool. We've got some big things happening. Williamsport, Pennsylvania has picked up on and is advancing these ideas, too. They've got a group that's starting there. They're going to start putting pressure on their local congressmen. And, you know, we've got these pockets of, of support. I'm just very, very excited by what may be coming down the road here in 2010 at DownsizedDC.org. I agree. You know, if, if Rand Paul, who is viable, manages to get in and he does, um, as he said, which is introduce the Read the Bills Act, I think that once it's, in, once it's introduced, it could get a life of its own in the same way this In the Fed thing has because – um, America's been ripped off as far as transparency in government, and I think that they uh, they, they want something um, 
um, you know, they they want some blood in that area. Uh, whenever mm-hmm. I talk to people about that, they're like, "Yeah, we got ripped off in trans- transparency," and I I think that it may be the time, and that it it may get a life of its own even beyond um, you know, a, fr- a freshman senator uh, introducing it. Yeah, it already has a life. I mean, what we've we've seen happen so far, we had a, a we have a man in the White House who, amongst his campaign pledges that people remember, and I get questioned about this frequently. Uh, was that he was going to post the bills online for five days, and he didn't want Congress passing the bill until it had been had been available. Yep. Um, and uh, he hasn't come close to keeping that promise even once since becoming president. Um, they even changed the rules for the promise, and they didn't keep that one either. And uh, <clears throat> But he felt that the important thing is he felt the need to say that, didn't he? And And then, you know, this year... The read the bill meme has really taken off, and now we've got a discharge petition in the House with a majority of members of Congress, nearly two thirds of the members, saying, "Hey, we need uh, we need to actually have a rule that requires the bill to be posted online for 72 hours." Well, it's not our read the bills act; it's not it's it's way tepid in comparison. But you know, the fact that they feel that they need to respond to this pressure again, I think, uh, says some very positive things. So. I'm hopeful that you're right, and that's the direction we're headed, that uh, there will be kind of a critical mass of a bill as soon as we actually have a real bill introduced uh, by someone uh, who, like Rand Paul. Thank you, sir. Jim Babka, Downsize DC, DC.org. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.